Welcome to the first episode of Second and Short. It is November 2nd, 2022. All right, we're starting with the college football playoff rankings. They came out yes. 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. Give or take. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. You've got, I, I agree. Yeah, like, how did they put Tennessee at number one? I, I, I don't know how... I mean, I understand their their whole point was it's it depends on the what it is right now, but Georgia is still the reigning national champion with an undefeated uh, schedule so far. How are they not number one though? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And like putting Ohio State over Georgia when Ohio State, as much as you want to say that Georgia hasn't really faced much other than Oregon at the beginning of the season. Ohio State had a close game against Notre Dame week one. Yeah. And the best opponent they've played since then was Penn State, and they only won by, like, 13. Well, I mean, they do the same damn thing for Ohio State every year. They don't play anybody all season long. I mean, same with Michigan. They don't play anybody all season long, then get to the playoffs, get their asses handed to them by, you know, Georgia, Alabama, whoever in the SEC is there. Heck, a few years ago it was Clemson. Because they don't yeah. play any real teams all season, and they claim they do, but they never do. Yeah, and like the only reason that um, like Ohio State might look good by the end of the season is because they're going to have Michigan in the last week of the season. Yeah, and Michigan, just like Ohio State, is always overrated. Yeah, they get these great recruiting classes and all that, and yeah, they're a great team, but they're never going to be an amazing team because they don't play enough te- enough good teams to build them to be the greatest. That's yeah, why like, Alabama's always winning championships. Georgia, LSU. I mean, that's just the most recent for the yeah, SEC. But like, if you look across the board at this top 25 right now, yeah, Ohio State and Michigan only play two of these teams. Mm-hmm. So, and it's 15 and 16. And honestly, Illinois at 16 is crazy. That, wow. I, I, I mean... I'm really happy they're looking good, but at 16, I mean, as you were stating with Alabama, trying to make them look a little better, I think they put Illinois at 16 to make Ohio State and Michigan look better. Yeah, yeah, and just to, to hit on that Alabama thing, because I said it before we were recording, is the college football playoff committee wants Alabama to look good. Every year, yeah. they do the same thing, especially in the years where Alabama lost the game before the playoff rankings start. Mm-hmm. So you put Alabama at 6, which... Sure, they can be at six. I don't care. Because I, I, as much as I want to argue that TCU is better than Alabama, I'm not going to. I but. I don't know if I could say that because I think <laughs> if they played head-to-head at a neutral site, even at a neutral site, I think Alabama would still win. You think they would win at TCU? At TCU, I think it would be – we, we've seen Alabama's been on the road this year. Yeah, They have not played well on the road, so it's hard for me to say fully yes, but I would – if. If they were to, I'd put my money in Alabama. Yeah. I think they're the better team. <clears throat> exactly. And so with them putting Tennessee at one, it makes that loss to Tennessee mean that much less to Alabama's year. It, it's like, yeah. oh, well, they only have one loss, and it's to the best team in the nation. Yep. And so if Tennessee just holds on to that, everybody is going to just write off these teams that are even ahead of Georgia. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, Michigan – out 
Clemson out. Doesn't even matter if Clemson goes undefeated because if Alabama only loses to Tennessee and then they win against Tennessee in the championship, you could see Alabama at one or two and then they've got a home or they don't really have a home game. They're the home team in the first round of the playoff. Now, I want to give you a scenario here. You get Tennessee loses Georgia this weekend. Alabama wins out as Georgia, Alabama, and then Alabama wins the SEC championship. So you have 11-1 Tennessee, one loss to Georgia. 11-1 Georgia, only loss to Alabama in the SEC championship. And then 11-1 Tennessee. I think I already said that, but uh, all 11-1 losses to each other. How how do we do there? First of all, if all three of them are 11-1, Clemson's got to get in if they stay undefeated. So that and and the winner of Ohio State Michigan has to get in. Yeah. So there's only two spots. the The playoff committee will not allow three SEC teams in that playoff. No, oh, I agree. And so, so I think if if they all end eleven and one, I think if George with Georgia beating Tennessee, I think that kind of gives Georgia the edge over Tennessee. If Alabama obviously wins the SEC championship, they're in. Yeah. And so, so I'd probably say Alabama would end up at two or three. Georgia would end up at four. And Tennessee would be out. Because you can't, you can't justify putting Tennessee in and not Georgia or not Alabama. <clears throat> if Alabama won the, won the SEC and if Georgia beat Tennessee head-to-head. Yeah. I, I don't see a world where the college football playoff committee can get away with that. Well, and that's kind of where I see the issue. They want to expand college football playoffs for a scenario like that. Although it's not just for SEC teams, it's for every team. But, I mean, for a scenario like that, all three of those teams deserve to be in there debatably. Yeah, yeah and honestly, so, what, I, what I'd say right now is, uh, what? so they, they talked about eight, right? That, that's the number eight, or are they going for 12? I believe it's eight. Okay, so eight. I look at the top eight. Any of these teams could beat any of these teams. I would extend that to the top 12. I don't know about UCLA. I'm still not buying it. I know Dorian Thompson Robinson is uh, a great quarterback, and they have a cool cool offense. I'm not going to say it's a great offense. They have a fun offense to watch. It is very much uh, a Pac-12, 10 o'clock start offense. Definitely. But I I don't see them being competitive, especially if, if you look at it, how it stands right now, UCLA playing Tennessee. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> and then Hooker would put up career numbers. Well, I think something that I feel like people always fail to talk about when it comes to these rankings and everything is defense wins championships. And, and the top 25 right now, Georgia by far has the best defense. Though they aren't as experienced, you know, they're younger, not as experienced. Not as good as, as last much. year. Oh, no. Nothing. Nowhere close. That was the best defense of all time last year. Yes, yes. I mean, no one – that is by far better than 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, that defense was just on a different level last year. This year, they're younger, less experienced, and have not been tested as much. Mm-hmm. But 
I think they just have the depth, though. Okay, so I like Georgia's defense for sure. And yeah. I, I think it, it bodes well in a lot of matchups. But you can't discredit Michigan's defense. I have to agree. They, Michigan's defense, defense, I'm looking at it right now. Michigan's defense, yards per play, 4.11 yards per play. Yeah, that's... That, that's wild. And, and Georgia is is right after them at 4.56. Mm-hmm. But that's also in uh, 26 less plays. Um, and Michigan has the edge in yards per game at uh, 250.2, uh, as opposed to Georgia's 262.6. Well, this goes back to something we said earlier. How does the strength of schedule both of them compare? Exactly. And so if you look at Michigan, it, I mean, so far, they I haven't... can't say that a, a Michigan schedule any year could ever be as hard as a Georgia schedule any year. I mean, let's just look at Michigan. Oh, that's the wrong year. <laughs> Funny. I've got it pulled up right now. So they opened up. Okay. They had the, the first three weeks were the easiest weeks I've ever seen from a team that wants to say that they're the best team in the country. Yeah. You start off at Colorado State, whose coach got fired like four weeks after that game. Mm-hmm. 51 to 7. Okay. You go to Hawaii. Practically going, or the Hawaii comes to Michigan. Yeah. 56 10. And then you bring that lazy, lazy program, UConn, who <laughs> honestly needs to be in the <laughs> FCS, that you bring them to Ann Arbor and you win 59 0. Because of course you do. It's UConn. Okay. So you start 3 0 and you gave up 17 points in your first three games total. Cool. You go to Maryland facing, I think Talia was the starter for that game. I believe so. 34-27, and that game was close all the whole damn time. Yeah. And then Iowa, one of the worst offenses in college football, still put up 14 on you. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. They've had one, uh, one ranked opponent. I think maybe Iowa was ranked at the time. Maybe. Penn, State, Penn State is the only one. In in the Penn State game was an impressive win. I'll give them that. That rushing that rushing game was insane. Uh, yeah, I'll give them that. Really the made State a case for himself. Oh, rather impressive. Yeah. And then obviously Michigan State. That's a whole nother story. But and that's mainly it, it, like the twenty nine to seven doesn't matter with this game. It's all about what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. We can we can get into that later, but yeah, like Tulane at nineteen is a little weird to me. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, yeah uh, place there. I mean, I think they're a good team. Um, obviously, they're not Power Five. Uh, Agreed. I just I don't think they really. I think they probably. I would put. There's really no team in the group of five right now, I believe, should be higher than 20. Yeah, that's that's a fair statement. I, I think, yeah, you know, you can always put UCF or uh, a Cincinnati, and obviously Cincinnati lost last week, but you can always put a UCF or a Cincinnati in the top 25 and people will be okay with it. 
whether yeah. they've looked, whether they even know what their record is, they'll be like, oh yeah, they're they're those are those two good group of five schools. Yeah, and I mean, there have been some upsets from the group of five teams this year, but uh, I mean, nothing that's like yeah, I I think is top twenty worthy. I mean, yeah, yeah Tulane's a good team. They could probably beat one of these top twenty five. Possibly, we can see in the bowl games, but like. I mean, finishing out their schedule, they have they they play at Tulsa, uh, home for UCF, home for SMU, and then at Cincinnati. So I mean, for them, for their that, schedule, okay, that's, that's a that's tough schedule tough. for a Group of Five school. Yes, definitely um, for a Group of Five school. I agree. Yeah, do I see them getting even into the top fifteen? No, I I have a feeling they'll probably slip against one of those teams because Bound. UCF not easy. No. Cincinnati is everybody knows they're not easy, even without you know the star players yeah. of last year, and then and SMU, yeah, oh yeah, and then SMU is nothing, nothing to just you know walk past. It. No. They might not be as good as they have been this year, but mm-hmm. SMU you cannot sleep on. Every I week mean, they've got a chance. Definitely, like I'd say, that's for most every Texas school because Texas does beat oh, yeah. so many football, great football players. Yeah, you know it's hard to ever keep them down. Yeah, and speaking of Texas, Texas coming in at twenty four. How do you feel about that? Because it, it seems like Texas is better than they are. I feel like Texas still has to prove something to me. Agreed. I mean, twenty yeah, five and three, five and three. I mean, they have they have losses to Alabama at the time was number one. Uh, losses to Texas Tech or Texas Tech at Texas Tech. Yeah, and then a loss overtime. to Oklahoma State. To Oklahoma State. Yeah, that that Texas Tech game was crazy, and um, I think with the uh, with Oklahoma State that came down to you've got a first year starter at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think what Quinn Ewers is great. Yeah. Great, but you got to give them time. Yeah, I got to give. I'll, I actually kind of respect Texas twenty four. I take that back because I mean, they have so they have a pretty good win over Oklahoma forty nine to zero. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma has a brand new head coach and all new coaches and brand new quarterback and all that. But I mean, they had some pretty solid players and Texas just yeah. beat the hell out of them forty nine to zero. Well, that like that game's crazy. Um. I, was that the week? Did they have Dylan Gabriel in that game? Did Oklahoma have Dylan Gabriel, or was he out? I honestly do not recall. He, he was out because TCU. Hit yeah, he was that, out. Uh, that they nasty their... hit. And so I, I can't blame Oklahoma for getting shut out that game. Yeah, they had in. They had in their backup, and yeah, Oof. yeah. I'm looking at some of the stats. So, that so was Tennessee, or, or sorry, Texas. Um, Texas pounced on a weak Oklahoma team. Yeah. Whatever. And then the next week they played home against Iowa State and barely came out with that win. 21-24. Yeah, or 24 another, another team that just lacks on offense and is a little bit more of a defensive school sometimes. Um, yeah. And it, that Iowa State team's not impressive. Three and five. They're 10th in the Big 12. Um. To only win by three is horrible. So I I understand putting them at twenty four because Texas has played some great games this year. Yeah, but they you can play I- as many great games as you want. 
if you're five and three and you're three and two in the conference, you're not. I don't even think they should be in there. I mean, they're passing the eye test, and you know, of course, Texas has one of the largest fan bases in the nation. Yeah, course, yeah they're, 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 they're when they're like this. Exactly, and every single thing that Texas does, you know, you'll see it on ESPN's Instagram, and you'll see it on TikTok. It's because they're all talking about Quinn Ewers, and they're talking about Bijan Robinson, and they've got the names, but you know, with those couple weeks where Ewers wasn't on the field. You didn't really see much from Texas. Yeah. I mean, the only way I can say Texas should be ranked in the top 25 is if this weekend they can go to Kansas and pull out a win. Yeah, yeah. If they beat Kansas State, um, that's a statement. Yeah, that's a statement. Kansas State coming in at 13, I think they, they totally deserve it. Yeah. At six and two, which is kind of surprising to me. Obviously, one of those losses coming to TCU, which and is number Tulane. seven in the nation, and then yeah, Tulane, which you know that probably aids to why Tulane got in, um, yeah, and, and got in actually pretty high at nineteen. Yeah, well, I mean, this I feel like this, I mean. Kansas State, their uh, remaining schedule yeah. is Texas, Baylor, West at West Virginia, and Kansas. Yeah, and I, um, I'm looking at this this ranking again. Um, it is crazy that there is five ACC schools in this top twenty-five. I never in a million years would have thought that. <laughs> and and yeah, Wake Forest had a, a bad one uh, this weekend. Um, th- but they weren't they weren't the number ten team in the nation. No, uh, they, they just were... got put there. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Hartman. It, he it, it seems like Sam Hartman's been there a while. I feel like he's been there forever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he's had a few red... Yeah, his red shirt year. I'm pretty sure he had a medical red shirt one of these years. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, we, of course, but, could be wrong, but... Syracuse is, is questionable. Um, uh, the fact that they very couldn't capitalize on that Clemson game, and the fact that Notre Dame came to Syracuse and beat them forty-one to twenty-four. Yeah, and I don't even know. Notre Dame's not even in the top twenty-five, are they? No, no. I mean, I don't know if I would have Syracuse in the top twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in Notre mean, Dame, Notre Dame beating Syracuse and Syracuse being number sixteen would make me think that Syracuse would drop a little bit lower than 20 and maybe we would see Notre Dame sneak in at 25 or 24. Yeah, I mean, that was very – I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how – I'm looking at the schedule now. This makes no sense how they're still ranked. I think yeah. they get it because they're giving NC State a little. But, I mean – I guess. Their only wins are to Louisville, who, I mean, the last few years have kind of been a poverty uh, franchise. Yeah. You're sorry, program. Well, then a UConn win, a Purdue win, which they barely won, by the way. Home, 32-29. to Yeah. Barely yeah, beats and then, 22-20. I mean. And then you've got South Carolina, or sorry, uh, North Carolina at 17, which I get it. Because they're seven and one, they're first in the in uh, their division in the ACC. So I understand putting them there. All right, but just like Syracuse, 
They lost to Notre Dame. See, there's some. I don't know what is up with Notre Dame team this year. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, because they love they love they they lose the they lose the ones they should win and they win the ones they should lose except for you know week one. But yeah, this this team's weird. This Notre Dame team. They just I obviously you know first year of a new coach trying to get everything or uh, together. So I think he he'll be okay. Yeah, I think they'll be a good team uh, if you give uh, if we keep giving some time. But I mean. Five and three is not too bad for them. I mean, I'm not the biggest Notre Dame fan in the world, but I mean, they they should have beat Marshall, and they should have beat Stanford. Yeah, both of those were home games. How do you lose those two games? Exactly, and uh, I think you know that can often be put at the fault of a, a new, a freshman head coach. Yeah, uh, but they've got. I haven't seen much talent on this team. Like, yeah, I have to agree. I haven't seen um, a standout guy. They don't have like uh, you know a lot of people were talking. Uh, what was who was their quarterback last year? Oh, Lord, I can't remember I... his name for the life of me. But uh, everybody was talking about you know he was running the offense pretty well, and you know Notre Dame's always got a good tight end for some reason. Yeah, and they had Kyle Hamilton at safety. They had some guys that um, looked like they were going to have some NFL play. And then, you know, before that, like the Chase Claypools and guys like that kind of uh, gave people a reason to pay attention to Notre Dame. Uh, there's no reason this year to pay attention to Notre Dame. There, I have to agree. Um, yeah. I think that, that kind of goes to them a lot. Which, I mean, speaking of Notre Dame, I can't help but bring this up. How, uh, why did Brian Kelly leave the safest job in America? Because I, I, I think there's, there's only one reason, and it's that he got no respect coming in fifth every year. I mean, I was about to start uh, hating on him, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he knew that he had to leave and go somewhere and actually prove himself if he wanted to get respected whatsoever. Also, pretty hard to recruit at Notre Dame compared to LSU. I mean, yeah, LSU, Louisiana is a top 10 producing state for athletes. Yeah. So, I mean, I get why I want to leave, but I mean, personally, as me, me looking from the uh, LSU standpoint, I think that's a bad, that was a bad hire because he's older. I, don't think so. I think the reason they got him is because they wanted three to four years of him to keep the program winning, potentially making him potentially getting to a national championship again or back to the playoffs. But I yep. think they only want him for a few years so they don't just fall off completely. They needed a good coach until they find their next their next big their their next guy. You know, they, they need will. someone cuz I'm kind of I'm personally tired of like these big schools, especially like LSU and you know, these uh LSU, Auburn, Florida, uh Tennessee going through head coaches every 2 to 3 years. I mean, yeah. That's, of course. That, well, and it's because they are programs with high expectations. Well, yeah, but Always. I mean, let's look at and Florida. The boosters State. control those schools. It's kind of like Texas, you know. Yeah. The the boosters have all of their stake in those teams and how those teams like play, and so when things aren't going well, the people that control the entire program make the decision to get them out of there. Yeah, and I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised that they do. I mean. 
you got to real like uh, what the boosters don't realize though is you got to give them more than. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that only get two years. Yes. I mean, I don't think Brian uh, Harson was the answer for Auburn, but they gave him a year and a half. Yeah. Before and they we'll gave talk him about the- that more later as well. Um, I don't want to talk about Auburn because yeah. we're talking about you know the teams that are worthy of making the top twenty-five, <laughs> and they're not for this conversation. But, no. Um, yeah, I, I just. I don't, I don't know what's up in Notre Dame this year. But oh, back to the Brian Kelly thing. What I wanted to say is that I think they made that move because they were looking for, for a culture shift in L- in, yeah. in Baton Rouge. Because okay, you had Edo. You know, he is uh, a different beast. He is not like any other head coach. I mean, before half, him, half they had less miles. Crazy, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I was about to get to. Is you had Edo. And he's a, a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And then you had Les Miles, and uh, yeah, he's crazy. That's yeah, he ate that's grass, one way right? to put it. <laughs> and so I think LSU was looking for uh, a little bit more of a, a professional. And, yeah. and Brian Kelly's a professional. I mean, they had that with Nick Saban. Yeah, and I think they want to get sure. back to that. But I think something that, I mean, they bring it up in ESPN and College Game Day a lot is everyone is looking for the next Nick Saban. And when it comes, yeah. and that's another reason why these coaching changes go by so quickly is what Nick Saban took him one year to win a national t- title at Alabama, two years to win one at four, uh, uh, LSU. I mean, not everyone's going to be the Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the greatest of all time for a reason. Yeah. And here's a tip to all the uh, prospective uh, SEC head coaches or college football head coaches. Um, don't try to be Nick Saban because you can't. Uh, no, no one. You you need to be yourself. <laughs> See, look, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is not Nick Saban. Yeah. He may have worked with Nick Saban, but he's not Nick Saban, and that's why he's doing well. Josh Heupel is not Nick Saban. And I, I mean, think Josh Heupel's going to get the, uh, a bag. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Yeah. He is very – if you talk about anybody in college football, I mean, look at the state of Mississippi. You have Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. Yeah. At Mississippi State. Him. You got the two they, crazy motherfuckers in, the, <laughs> in Mississippi. Yeah, the two most – the strongest personalities in college football reside yeah. in the state oh of Mississippi. Oh, my God. The only way it could get better is if uh, – they hired Mike Gundy at Southern Miss. Literally. Hell, you got Deion Sanders at uh, Jackson State. Yeah, Jackson State. State. Even better. Like, I mean, wait, if you look at personality, you got to look here. I mean, like you were saying with uh, not wanting to be like Nick Saban, none of them are, want, are being like Nick Saban. They're doing their own thing. Exactly. I mean, Nick Saban, of course, has used the transfer, transfer portal, but his big thing was always recruiting and yeah. getting them young and molding them into what Nick Saban wants. Yeah, I'll I mean, be honest, the, the transfer portal hasn't quite worked out for Alabama this year. No. Uh, their two biggest transfers. Uh, so, Jameer Gibbs is a great running back. I, I, I will not say that Jameer Gibbs is not good. I will say that he is not an Alabama running back in the mm-hmm. definition of what we've seen an Alabama running back is. You know, he's not a Derrick Henry. He's not a, a, even a Kenyon Drake. But he is elusive. Yeah. He he's not he's not like a, a a third and short get you those get you those couple yards. 
Yeah, that that's exactly what I was thinking. Is, I mean, yeah, he's either good for negative like, one or twenty five. This is what. Um, this is why I also don't like Bill O'Brien at uh, Alabama. Is because Alabama and Nick Saban, their bread and butter, has been the running running the ball. They run the ball. I don't yes. remember the exact st- statistic, but most like sixty percent of the time, they were running the football. Well, yeah, you know Bill O'Brien loves running the football. He had Arian Foster when he was at the Texans. Well, I know he does, but like I, I, I mean, I haven't uh, seen enough Alabama, I guess, this year. But when I watch the games, no, they're not running. Not with they're Junior Gibbs running the ball successfully, at least. And I don't know if it's his play calling or if it's this offensive line or what it is, but there is something going on in Alabama where they're not able to do the most basic thing, which is running the football. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the other big transfer for Alabama um, is uh, Jermaine Burton. Well, and he's about to face criminal charges. Yeah, he's out here beating girls up. (laughs) Everybody knows you can't do that. You know what? Michigan State guys, they're just going to get a suspension because they beat up other football players. You can't just blindside block a girl. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I understand everybody gets upset, irritated, and something like that. Like, you know, you think you should have won. You played a great game, whatever. Yes. Emotions can get the best of people. Yeah, emotions get to you, but you need to get that. And that's something else that this season with Nick Saban that has been different than any other season for him. The discipline on that field has been horrendous. Yeah. The penalties are insane. Yeah, like that Texas game. Oh, my. He lost – they lost the game to Tennessee because they had over 100 yards in penalties. Yeah. That is not a Nick Saban coach team. I don't know what is going on in Alabama. I guess Nick Saban's been smiling too much or something because, I mean, they have been very undisciplined. Yeah, but, but guess what? It's not a Nick Saban team, and they're still number six. And that they only true. have one loss. And – I'll be frank, they're, they're going to make the college football playoff. I mean, I think the thing with Alabama is not only do you have the name Alabama, Nick Saban, the greatest of all time head football coach, you also have to look at, we know the rankings loves that loves this, the recruiting fans. Yeah. Yeah. They love the recruit. I mean, look at Texas A&M was number six coming into this season. Yeah. And they, in what, week two, they lost to Appalachian State. Yep. A team who's barely won in their own conference. Yeah, but then Texas A&M can keep it close against Alabama. You know, granted it was uh, uh, Jaden Milrow, but. I mean, this goes Crazy. back to what I was saying about them at Tennessee. Not only does, has Alabama been having a lot of trouble on the road this year, but they are letting the penalties kill them. Yeah. They cannot s- stop making the mistakes. I don't, I, I mean, I just gets like a broken record, but you have to be disciplined if you're going to play for Dick Saban. And I'm surprised oh, yeah. he hasn't blown a gasket or ended up in the hospital because these penalties are the reason he's not number one right now. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you look at these guys, I mean, nine times out of 10, an Alabama player is going to do the exact right, perfect thing. Probably nine yes. and a half times out of 10. And then, you know, I mean, this is the penalties. I mean, I'm trying to think back to the Tennessee game. It was a few weeks ago. But, uh, I mean, on the last drive, there was just a couple. 
couple penalties that you're like, are you serious? Really? Yeah. No, it, it, it is an Alabama team because they've got the guys. They've got so many guys on this team that are going to get drafted. They just haven't meshed. Yes. And, and I think that's going to be something we see across all of college football. And I think that's just part of the transfer portal. I was about to uh, go to that and say, I, I mean, look at the Ole Miss team right now. They start off the season pretty good. I mean, yeah. what was it? Yeah. Seven, or 6-0, 7-0. Looking decent, but you could tell there was something missing. They had a lot of pieces there, but they just didn't look fully familiar with one another. And I mean, yeah, uh, Jackson Dart had from, I think he, and he came to school. Uh, at, I don't remember, was it a, he was there for spring though, wasn't he? Who was that? Jackson Dart? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he was there in the spring. I'm pretty sure he was. So he had all of spring to get used to his wide receivers and all of summer all of preseason and then he gets into the season and he's still not like fully not only was he not in sync with his receivers but him and his center were not in sync yeah there were are many times still later in the season that jackson dart is still having issues getting the ball in his hands i mean I mean, obviously, I don't play quarterback, and I'm not a college athlete, but I can't imagine having that big of an issue with my center when all you need to do is just say, okay, we're going to spend 20 minutes after practice just doing snaps. Yeah. Until yeah, we're in sync. It's crazy. And, um, okay, I want to hit on one more team in this college football playoff ranking that I really want to talk about, and that's Penn State at 15. There is nothing about this Penn State team that makes me want to watch them play a game. I genuinely do not like <laughs> this Penn State team at all. It's crazy. I, like, Sean Clifford is, like, 30 years old. And, the like, you know, they lost Jahan Dotson, who was, like, their star last year. And I feel like nothing pulls me towards this team. I'm, I think I said this earlier, but I think they're just ranked up higher. I mean, yeah, they have some good wins. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. At Purdue, you win 35-31, start up the season. Home uh, against Ohio, you win 46-10. Go down to Auburn. Yes, that, that Auburn win was impressive. But now, you know, looking back at it now, that probably should have happened. It, it wouldn't have been such a surprise if that happened this week. Yeah. I mean, Auburn has some good athletes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they have, oh, a, yeah. they, they have one of the best – they're in one of the best spots for recruiting. And, I mean, as we can tell, you know, coaches are bad. We talked about it uh, through this. But uh, poor coaching and all that. And it's just a hot mess, hot, just dumpster fire down there. So it's an impressive win because it's always tough to go to, a, especially in SEC school. Yeah. I mean, they have what? A stadium can seat ninety thousand, so they were in an intimidating. Yeah, no, you, you can't sleep on the atmosphere of Jordan Hare. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So they, I mean, it was an impressive win, but again, you look at it later down the road, it's like, oh well, not really when you look at it. And yeah, then you yeah. have a win against Northwestern at home. And Northwestern is awful. 
Yeah, they only beat Northwestern by 10 points at home, yeah. might I add. Then they go to Michigan and just get the brakes, brakes beat. I, I mean, just nothing. 40, 41 to 17. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at the, the season statistics um, for some of the players, and Sean Clifford has um, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, he's got a 62.8% completion percentage. So, you know, that's it, it's it's around good. And this then team, he's only got 1,800 passing yards. I mean, uh, what, what, what is their um, rushing uh, yards look like? So, so as a team, uh, their rushing yards is 1,300. 1,360. Mm-hmm. So, so Sean Clifford has uh, a, like a, a game and a half worth of total yards. Yeah. Um, like a game and a half of yards over the rushing. But like they're they're rushing and passing at just about a proportional rate. I mean so it, it this team confuses me so much. I think the reason that we said it earlier, I think the only reason they're as high as they are is because yeah, they have they're undefeated minus the two ranked teams they play. They play yes. two ranked teams this year, number two and number five. The only yep. ranked teams on their schedule, by the way. And at, they go to Michigan, get murdered. Holding uh, Ohio State to the fourth quarter. Okay, it was a great game, but uh, they yeah. let Ohio State score, what, like 20 unanswered points? Yeah, well, in like Sean Clifford had like a, an out-of-body performance. Like, <laughs> that wasn't yeah. Sean Clifford at quarterback. I refuse to believe that. Yeah, he got possessed by the spirit of Joe Burrow or something like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it was, but I mean, they looked great, and then in the fourth quarter they gave in. Yeah, that's. And they want to say it's oh the weekend week out. I mean, for the eye test for me, this doesn't pass. Yeah, no. they could be ranked because they did put up a great fight to, for Ohio State, but what are they, what did we say they were thirteen, fifteen? Too high. I would have them much lower down, closer, probably between 20 and 25. Personally. Yeah, and then, uh, so one more team, one team that didn't make it, uh, and I'm not exactly surprised, uh, but it is a, a team that everybody was talking about this year is Kentucky. Um, obviously, that loss last weekend to Tennessee was brutal 44 to 7, or 44 to 6 uh, is ridiculous. Especially when uh, you've got Will Levis, who's, you know, everybody wants to say that Will Levis is the next guy. Like, he yeah. is. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at a, a 24-7 sports uh, mock draft uh, by Brad Crawford. Um, let's see, he's got C.J. Stroud going number one to the Texans. All right? Yeah. He's got Will Levis going number two to the Lions. That is crazy. He's a good no, quarterback. Is he he's that a good, good quarterback, but he's not that good. Nowhere close to that good. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, Bryce Young is still the best quarterback in the nation. I think he's the best quarterback and the quarterback who's the most prepared for the NFL right now. I think I agree that he's the most prepared. Um, I don't like – I know this is a, a dying idea, but I don't like his build. He's very small, yeah. And I know that, oh, everybody's going to be like, well, what about Kyler Murray? And what about uh, Baker Mayfield? It's like, look, those guys, well, first of all, they're not doing great. 
But, I was about to say, they look <laughs> like they're on their last leg in the NFL, to be honest. But, you know, they're a little bit smaller, and they're su- they're relatively successful. Um, I, I just don't think that I, – I do think Bryce Young is better. I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback. I feel like he has a higher potential, but mainly because he can he is a little bigger. He kind of does have the size. I mean, it yeah. does help to be able to see over your O line. Yeah, and, and I think a big thing for CJ Stroud is accuracy. Um and you know, maybe his accuracy is a little bit boosted because he's got easily uh the best receiving core in the nation. Uh especially yeah. with a healthy Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, with Marvin Harrison Jr., like those two alone uh, would put you up there. And then you add on the other guys in that receiving core, and it's just ridiculous what C.J. Stroud has weapons-wise. But, you know, I'll give Will Levis this. Uh, Kentucky has zero weapons outside of him. And he's done his thing. Um, But I think the only thing that people really care about with Will Levis so he can throw the ball downfield. As he's got a cannon on him. Yeah. And, I mean, in the NFL, they love the big – I mean, it's money-making. People want to come see the big plays. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when Matt Ryan was on the uh, Falcons forever. You know, you had Matt Ryan just kind of chuck it downfield to Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. People would pay. I mean, yeah, they had a few years of success, but, I mean, most of the time it was just him staying in the pocket, chucking it downfield – 80 yards to Julio in quadruple coverage, and maybe he'll make the catch, you know? Yeah, exactly. If he makes if he one makes and four. Catch, people, Holy crap, that's the best catch ever. And yeah, exactly. And yeah, if he makes I, like they, one out of five of all those catches, then he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what people want to come see now. A lot of people don't enjoy – I mean, me personally, I enjoy a very slow-scoring defensive game. I still yeah, personally but- like – the the like, service academy games where they're you know the triple option versus triple option i think that's yeah, that's the most think. fun stuff to watch because and i mean that really two is, triple I mean, options go fa- like head to head is awesome i mean that is the best skill because you got to be not skilled well you got to be very disciplined to yeah. run those that's the when you look at football that's what you should think of because it is you are Doing a job, you have to be a machine. You have to do everything perfect. If it, yeah. one person makes a, the slightest mistake, the entire thing fails. Yeah, and that's why that's why Paul Johnson's schemes at um, the Georgia Tech just didn't work. And I mean, it it's wasn't also the right guy. Get the players. Yeah, it, it, it's mean, hard to recruit in the state of Georgia when everybody's getting stolen from UGA and then, you know, even Georgia Southern. At this point where Georgia Tech is in, like, the recruiting standings, I'd probably rather go down to Georgia Southern and get coached by Clay Helton than go play at Georgia Tech where I have no idea. First of all, I have no idea who my coach is going to be next year, but I, I don't even know what scheme could possibly be run with that group of players. Well, I think it's been what four year, four or five years since Paul Johnson's retirement, and uh, they had that Jeff Collins. I think I, I actually saw an article on this, and I agreed with it. I think he was the savior of Georgia Tech football. Yes, did not do a good job. I mean, did as good of a job as he job as he could, but he was the bridge between bringing them from the triple option, which I love the triple option, but it just doesn't work in today's game anymore. 
bringing it from that to the modern offense. And he has yeah. players yeah. there. He has some people there. Now that he has some people there, they need to get a real coach. They real, what they need to do is get a younger coach in that can relate more to recruit, recruits and just yeah. like give, give a younger guy an option. Agreed. Or, not an option, sorry, a chance. Yeah, and I, I could see uh, there's definitely a lot of offensive coordinators um, around college football that would be pretty fit for that Georgia Tech job. I think if uh, this, this is a kind of a weird a weird one, but if he would have waited, I think Dan Lanning would have made a great head coach at Georgia Tech. I agree. I think I think someone else who would look really good there, and I think he needs a few more years, but Jeff Levy, he was at uh, pretty sure he was at uh, FAU before Ole Miss, then goes to Ole Miss. I mean, two years with Matt Corral has one of the has a top five uh, offense both years. Yeah. Now he's at Oklahoma. Not looking too – I mean, had a few issues in some of the games, but yeah, again, but he lost a lot of players. Over, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't think he – I mean, I understand he was a graduate from Oklahoma. He wanted to go back to his alma mater. I don't know. I, I, I know that's why he left, but yeah. well, career-wise, I, think... I don't think he should have done that because him and Lane Kiffin – I mean, if he wanted to become a head coach, he should have stayed at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. A one, two more years. And, I mean, possibly He, he could be the head coach for Auburn, yeah. 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 It, well, actually, no, I, I want to wait to talk about Auburn later because yeah. I know I'm going to get you fired up talking about that. Um, but I do want to talk about um, a little bit more. So let's, let's get into these World Series games that happened over the weekend. Uh, I had zero chance to watch either of the games. Same. I was uh, <laughs> busy all weekend. But uh, so game one, the Phillies six two or sorry six five, um, and it I don't know it was boring. Uh, you know, normally you wouldn't say that about a six to five game, but yeah. you know, outside of the the extra innings home run for JT Romuto, um, nothing excited me watching any type of highlights from that game. Um, uh, the a couple great defensive plays. I don't know where Nick Cassianos' glove has come from. That yeah. it's crazy. Um, and then you know the Strohs come out game two and they take care of business. I mean, I feel like for this World Series here, uh, Phillies and the Astros, both of them aren't big national markets. I mean, pro- the Strohs yeah. probably more than the Phillies. But like, I, I, really, don't, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the Astros, I think the only thing making people watch this is that everybody still hates Houston. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes cheaters. Yeah. I'm rooting for Houston because the last thing I want to see is Bryce Harper win a ring. Oh, but, uh, 100%. <laughs> um, right now, uh, it's the middle of the second, and the Phillies are up 2-0 in game three. So... I don't even know how to feel about this series. Uh, the pitching matchups are pretty even. You've got you've got real star power on each side. You know Bryce Harper, um, great, just absolutely amazing player. I'll give him that. I hate him. I hate him. He's one of the best players in this generation. Oh yeah. And then you've got Jordan Alvarez, who um, I, I guess I can't put. Him is like the the up and coming talent title anymore. He's been in the league for, I want to say three years now, 
and he just he hits bombs. <laughs> and then, you know, Schwarber, obviously everybody loves Kyle Schwarber. Oh yeah. Like when he was with the Cubs when they won in 2016, like that guy is fun. So and then you also have, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer Justin Verlander pitching in this game. Um two guys that are consistently going to be preseason Cy Young nominees uh in Nola and Wheeler and it it definitely makes for a star-studded World Series. But I, I don't think anybody's watching this. It, it doesn't seem like anybody cares. I have to I mean like I I mean I'm asking around I have the only people I know that are watching it are my friends in Philadelphia and my friends from Houston. Yeah. No one else is really I think that's kind of the thing with the MLB though. If you look at yeah. the statistics every year, their ratings are going down. Yeah, and actually as we're talking about this, I have it on above me. Uh Alec Bohm just hit a solo shot and it is the one thousandth home run in World Series history. Wow. That's sick. I'm so mad that it was Alec Bohm. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like, uh, oh no! Continue. I mean, like, it's just, it's just this. I mean, every year, nobody baseball. I I'm not saying like I like baseball, so it's not getting uninteresting for me. Yeah. But it's like, they're not only is it like it's going down because they're making it so hard to watch baseball too, though. Yeah. It's like, fair. if I buy MLB TV, I should be able to watch the Braves from wherever. I live oh in Mississippi, God, yeah. and I can't watch the Braves here because they always have it blacked out. Yep. They have the Braves blacked out here. They have St. Louis blacked out here. And um, I think the Cubs, maybe. That's crazy. So it's like, and that's, and we're here, everyone here is either a St. Louis fan or a Braves fan and a handful of Cubs fans. Yeah. And like, and we my, can't watch my, the games on anything. Oh, I, I can't stand it. I can't stand MLB TV's blackouts. They're ridiculous. Um, like, even living. Just outside of Atlanta, you know, I would love to be able to just watch a Braves game on the MLB app. Yeah, because all I have to do, okay, yes, I'm paying what what I think it's fifty dollars a year or a season to watch every game. Yeah, but I want access to the Braves. Yeah, if like, I am a fan of baseball, I want access to every single game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I'm, I'm lucky enough to have Bally Sports in my cable package. But it, why can't everything just be in one place? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I like about it's like uh, the reason college football has been going up and staying stay steady is because you can watch college football on ESPN, CBS, or Fox, and those yes. are all on basic cable. Yeah, and they're also on all of the, the streaming platforms for live TV. Yeah. So they're on Hulu with live sports. They're on YouTube TV. They're on Fubo and all the other things. But you, even your basic cable package, the only way I can use my MLB TV is by streaming it through the MLB app, either on my phone, uh, on the website, or uh, through like a smart TV. But if I want to watch it just on my TV through my cable provider... I have to spend a fortune to get MLB extra innings. Yeah. And no one wants to do that. Cause I mean, cable is already outrageous. So it's like, why would yeah. I want to add on an extra? Exactly. It's like, Oh, it's like baseball. Like if I want to watch, I'll just go to the game or I'll just 
you know, go to a bar and watch it. Like it doesn't. It just ah, I don't I don't like how they do their whole streaming, and it's just kind of ruining uh, the MLB. Like they're losing, they're losing out on money because they screwed themselves. Yeah, and like the the way it used to be is that you only knew what happened to to your team. You only were able to watch your team, and sometimes you weren't even able to watch your team. You know, like when the Braves were on TBS, you know, everybody saw the Braves. Yeah. So because... you can't really do anything about it. And now they've they've turned the tables on everyone. Or it's like, okay, you can pay $50 a month and you can watch every single team that you don't really care about, but you definitely can't watch the team that is your favorite. Yeah. I mean, my thing is I enjoy baseball, but to be honest, I really don't care about the Braves. Yeah, like you and that, that's fair. Like you were saying, like I, I mean, I know you, you were a baseball player. You really enjoy baseball. I couldn't. I mean, I like bra- baseball for the Braves, Ole Miss Rebels, and that's about it. Like I couldn't really care yeah. about baseball outside of that. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that, and that is a common opinion. It, it's a lot to keep up with. You know, there's, yeah, there's a lot there's going not, on. Yeah, there's there's ten guys every single day that's in the starting lineup for thirty teams. Like, you know, it's hard to keep up with what three hundred players are doing every single day for one hundred and sixty two games. Mm-hmm. And I it's just, just enjoy a, that. <laughs> I think that's why, like, football is able to stay. Uh, why people are able to keep up football is because it's it's a pretty quick season in comparison. Yeah, and it, it, it's all scheduled. You know, you yeah. can you can schedule your entire life around being available on Saturday and Sunday to watch football. Yeah, it's like you know, there's sometimes there's the MLB B games noon on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's the worst. And like, well, Brandon Marsh just hit a home run. Nope, a double. I a home run. That was weird. Yeah, Brandon Marsh solo shot four zero. Uh, Phillies bottom of the second, two outs. All right, continue. Sorry, and I lost. I kind of forgot what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently on the ESPN app though. About doing some uh, nothing but hockey. I'm trying to become yes. hockey. Yeah. We'll start talking about hockey soon. But um, all right, well, I know we just spent like 45 minutes talking about college football. Uh, let's just kind of go over a couple of the big final scores uh, that I've written down um, from last weekend, which is going to be uh, obviously uh, formerly number one Georgia beats huh. Florida 20, uh, 42-20. And, and this game was close. Clo- closer than it should have been, I, I'll say. It, it wasn't exactly close. But um, Florida definitely did what they could. Um, they they played to the the best of uh, Richardson's abilities, which aren't very I, great. I like the coach they have down there, Billy Naper. I like yeah, him. Yeah, he's cool. I, I like it. Good, but they need to give him time. He has to completely rebuild Florida football. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't expect Billy Napier to win with a group of players that was. Uh, Brought in by uh, Dan Mullen. Yeah. And, I mean, they. I don't like how they fired Dan Mullen. And though I think that's something that is another big issue with firing a coach midseason. Is it just players want to leave, transfer, because they don't trust their program anymore. Yeah, yeah. If and, you're going to fire my coach midseason, that means you don't – not only do you not care about him, you don't like him or whatever, you don't care about us. Yeah, I agree. And, you know – 
what we've seen with teams that, and actually that Florida firing was pretty late in the year too. And so I, I believe Florida made a bowl game last year, correct? I believe so. Yeah. And so they just didn't have their coach for a bowl game. Uh, it's ridiculous. I, I, um, I hate that. That's my least favorite thing people do, but that's just, uh, we talked about it. That's, that's the life. That's the world of college football. Now you don't get the results. We won't, you're gone. Get out. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there was a couple things that we can look at from this game, uh, especially for Georgia, uh, which were huge positives. Uh, the run game is uh, still alive, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dijon Edwards. I think that's how you say it. Dijon? 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 Uh, you know, I can't pronounce words. Yeah, no, but 12 carries for 106, two touchdowns. Ridiculous. Uh, Kenny McIntosh doing his thing. Kenny McIntosh is always good for like 80 plus. Always. 16 for 90, two touchdowns. And then um, you have, and I'll say it, the best tight end in college football history, Brock Bowers. Brock, best tight end. Oh my God. I, I don't care because it, it's so funny how quickly we just overlooked Kyle Pitts from two years ago. But, and, and everybody's still talking about how Kyle Pitts is just like this crazy physical specimen on the football field. Well, guess what? Brock Bowers is better. I, I mean, I like Brock Bowers more than Kyle Pitts. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I would say history quite yet. I think he still has a little more to prove before we can say he's the greatest in yeah. history. That's fair. But from what we've seen, look, okay, so last year he had – 56 receptions, 882 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, that's um, I mean, a true freshman too, right? Yeah, true freshman last year. Okay, so far this year, he's already at 31 receptions for 547 yards, three touchdowns. So he, he's not really getting incorporated in the touchdowns on the receiving end, but where they're really <laughs> and really weirdly using him is the run game. Uh, he's got three rushing attempts, which doesn't sound like they're using him. He's got 82 yards and uh, three touchdowns on three rushing attempts. Now, is that just like screen passes behind the no. line? No, that is designed run plays to Brock oh. Bowers. All right. I mean, I, I know that's the new, uh, not the new thing, but it's been the thing for a while is getting your receivers more incorporated in the run game. Yeah, and, you know, you wouldn't normally say that for the tight end. And no, I, I certainly would not. Yeah, and, and Brock Bowers, you know, he, he's a tight end, 6'4, 230. Undoubtedly, oh, yeah, tight end. but um, he is insanely good week now, in, week out. He does his thing, you know, a tough game against Vandy, which is kind of mm -hmm. weird, but uh, I don't think they really needed him. Uh, everybody has a little bit of an off game, you know, yeah, but I think Georgia knew what they were going up against. We knew what they were going up against in AJ Swan. <laughs> yeah, I I tackled that kid in high school. Yeah, so hey, I and, tackled a D one quarterback in high school. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and that D one quarterback lost fifty five zero to Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> or sorry to Georgia. Um, but let's go to this uh this next matchup, which we we talked about a, a little more than I anticipated, which is Ohio State beating Penn State forty four thirty one, and um talking about how Penn State is. It just like completely fails the eye test. It gets like a, a fifty on the eye test. Oh yeah, I mean, like we crazy. said it earlier, 
look at uh, this is just the eye test. I don't look at any statistics. I cannot, I could not personally keep Penn State in the top twenty because yeah. the two ranked teams they played. Granted, they're ranked two and five now. Yeah, yes, but not a single other team they played is even has a winning record. Yeah, exactly. It, so they should not. I, I, you can keep them ranked, but I would say. 23, 24, 25. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't think, I think 15 is too high for sure. Um, I'd probably put them in the 20 to 17 range. Uh, I, I think they're better than Tulane. Uh, I know we, we had talked about how Tulane had a couple pretty good games, but, um, I think Penn State's better than Tulane. Um, but I, I don't think they're better than North Carolina, honestly. And that sounds weird, but um, Drake May leading that North Carolina team is is for real. Um, he's oh, a dual yeah. threat for sure. And, you know, Oklahoma State's loss last week, I think it's a bad reflection of what that team really is. Um, I don't think that was Oklahoma State out there. It, it looked like they picked up the local high school. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, any, anytime you get shut out, no matter the score, whether yeah, it be a million to zero, it you look you look bad. Yeah, and they sure as hell looks bad. Um, but we'll move on to another team that looked absolutely abysmal. Uh, we'll look at Tennessee beating number nineteen Kentucky. Um, now let me say on Kentucky. Oh please. The, let's just please look at their do. schedule real quick from this year. Yeah, they beat number. They're sorry. They beat Miami, Ohio. For their opening other uh, opener, 37-13. Go down to Florida, beat a Florida team who I don't know exactly. They were how they I were know. in a weird situation with that Florida team because that Florida team was riding real high. <coughs> Excuse me. They're riding real high after um being kind Utah, of an unpredictable win. Yeah, oh yeah. I think they were like number six to start the season. Yeah. Uh and no, they, no, AM was six, but uh, they were somewhere around there, five, seven. But yeah, yeah, Florida was not supposed to win that game. That's for sure. So they were dead. I mean, they came in. I, I don't know how Florida pulled off that first game. I mean, Anthony Richardson that first week, he looked like he was going to be. Oh, he looked like the Heisman. Game. He looked like the number one overall pick in the draft. And then he gets absolutely humbled week two against oh. Kentucky. And it's all downhill from there. Yeah, wins 26-16 at the Swamp. Good win. Beats Florida. I mean, anytime you beat an SEC team at an SEC school, Minus yeah. Missouri Vanderbilt, it's a good win. Yeah, because usually fair these enough. are pretty intimidating environments. Yeah, you know, two eat two cupcakes. You know, beats Youngtown State thirty-one-zero. And Just they got that. yeah, they got by Northern Illinois by the skin of their teeth at thirty-one and twenty-three. Yeah, then they come down to Ole Miss. You know, middle of the day, hot out there. They, uh, you know, last second drive, end up you know Will Levis second fumble of the game. Fumbles the ball, turns it over, they lose the game. Okay. Would did they deserve to be number seven at this point? No. No. And then Kentucky should not have been ranked any higher than probably fifteen, to be honest. Yeah. It's yeah, that, that we stated this earlier. Will Levis is highly ranked in the NFL draft, and they were looking fine because they I mean they didn't really play anybody. Yeah, but uh, it's also that he he appears to be a teachable pro style quarterback. Yes, he is what like 
if you look at it history, he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's got the rocket arm. He's not really a runner, but he can when he needs to. Like he's what he's what guys look for when they're looking for a guy that they want to draft kind of late in the first, maybe mid second. Uh, let him work under their first string quarterback for a couple years, and then bring him in. He's going to be like the prodigal son for some. A uh, pretty good team that can get him at a later draft pick. Now, they kind of switch off topic to Kentucky. Someone that so could have done that is I. When I look at him, I don't know why, but I kind of think of a lot of Matt Ryan. I said this earlier, but I mean, kind of just has a cannon on him. Yeah. Makes pretty good decisions. Can, like you say, can run the ball if needed. I mean, I think. Well, now Matt Ryan is no longer. Yeah, Matt Ryan can't even. This- is no longer going to be playing. I yeah. Mean, I said this. I've been saying this for years. He should have retired two years ago. I liked him. He's a great – he seems to be a great dude. I mean, he was great in Atlanta. He did a lot for Atlanta, with that being said. Yeah. His time definitely went by him. For um, sure. Yeah, time, time crept up on him after that Super Bowl loss. I definitely think what Atlanta should have done is they, there have been other quarterbacks like Will Levis that are very similar to him, but they should have drafted and learned under um, learned under uh, Matt Ryan. But now, I mean, Atlanta has a, is going in a completely different direction. But now yeah. getting back to Kentucky, that's just completely off topic. Yeah, no, no but, worries. But, um, you know, beat, plays Ole Miss, plays a tight game against Ole Miss. Uh, something that I saw, I mean, especially as we know now, uh, this late in the season, Ole Miss, I mean, horrible defense. Yeah, yeah I mean, they that, do. That but you can't not, deny the run game. Quinshawn Judkins is ridiculously good. The fact that Quinshawn Judkins is not even in talks of the Heisman contention right now, even though he leads the nation in broken tackles, leads yep. the nation in yards after contact. I mean, he has the most touchdowns. He's tied for the most touchdowns in the SEC as a true freshman. Yeah. I mean, 14 touchdowns. Like That's crazy. The fact that he's not – I mean, that running game for Ole Miss is great. But – and I don't think that day it was – it was it displayed pretty well. But, I mean, they – I mean, Kentucky <clears throat> had a good game this Ole Miss. And, I mean, Will Avis could not do much against the Ole Miss defense, which we have seen now. You know, they – you can run through them like I mean they they're Swiss cheese defense to quote Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, I mean, agree. You can run through them like it's nothing. Yeah, and then but, um and then Kentucky after that tough, very close game against Ole Miss. Um, they go into South Carolina, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on with that game because Stoops goes out. Well, well, so Stoops comes out in his. I think I was on the Tuesday press conference and said that um that Will had a problem with his finger, but he would probably be expected to play Saturday. And then Saturday, he comes out, uh, they're warming up. He's warming up in like his warm-up suit, throwing a ball with some teammates. And then he comes out of the locker room in a walking boot, and then they see up on the Jumbotron that he's not the starting quarterback. Nobody knew about this. I, I didn't see anything. I was extremely confused when I saw it. And it's um, a different thing where they, the defense isn't, you know, they're going to throw a different quarterback in and make the defense not prepare for the right quarterback or whatever. Yeah, and but obviously, I, don't know, I guess, 
I guess I'm used to how the NFL does it, which is mandatory injury reports every week. Um, everybody's got to release them by the same time. Well, I feel like he was more of a game time decision. Yeah, and that's fair enough, but nobody really knew that. Uh, w- what we knew was that there was a problem with his finger. Nobody had well, heard anything about looked, a foot injury. What obviously looked like their offense didn't know what they were going to expect. Yeah, 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 because uh, they only put up 14 points on a, I wouldn't say struggling South Carolina team. I, I'd say they're in a transitional phase. Uh, this is the beginning of Beamer, and I think he's going to be a good coach. Uh, do I think he's going to even have them finish in the top 10 once? No. Um, but I think he'll be serviceable for a few years. Uh, maybe pick up a couple of nice recruits, put a couple guys mm-hmm. into the league. But um, I don't Very see him being similar a to Steve Spurrier when he was there. Yeah. And I don't think he'll be as good as Steve Spurrier when he was there because Steve Spurrier, no. in my opinion, is a better coach. Yet, yeah, he I is. know Steamer's still very young and he has a long ways, a long ways his career left. But I don't think he's going to be as good as Steve Spurrier. He's going to be. He'll get them to about seven and five, eight and four, most years. Maybe he'll have a surprise year of a ten and two. Who knows? Yeah. But I have to agree with you. I don't think they'll ever be a playoff contention team. I don't think South Carolina, no matter who they get as a head coach, unless it's Nick Saban, will ever be a South a uh, sorry a top four contending team because not only do they get their recruits stolen from Tennessee, Georgia, Bama, North Carolina, and Clemson. In but, Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, they have to compete with Clemson in their state, then out of state, they had to compete against Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Alabama, Florida. Because, I mean, they're all right there on top of each other. Yeah. So you got to, you, I mean, they have, I don't think he's going to be, you know, their God, but he will get them to be good enough. And that's all they want. That's all South Carolina wants is a winning football program. And then um, we can kind of just gloss over this one. The win over Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State is a fraud. Uh, they were oh, a fraud yeah. ranking. Um, oh, yeah. They can not They can only play good at home. Yeah, and that's just how Michael Leach just made. Uh, all of his oh, teams always. do the same thing. Um, but then we get to this week's game against Tennessee, and this is where um, I wouldn't say this is like the true Will Levis. Like, we didn't expose him or anything. Um but we definitely saw the worst he's he's been. Um, 16 for 27, uh, 98 yards, a 3.6 average, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, that put him at a QBR of 16.4. Uh, that's abysmal. I mean, it's ridiculous. Will Rivers kind of reminds me of the last, especially last season, Matt Corral, who, you know, he was, oh, he has a Heisman uh, contender, all this. But Matt Corral never had a game that, that horrid. I mean, yeah, no, definitely. I and, and, who's projected to be a top top round pick do that horrible. I mean, he couldn't do anything. Yeah, but then you know the the real spotlight in this game um, needs to be shined on Tennessee. Oh, yeah, 100%. like Jalen Hyatt, uh, easily the Bolitnikov winner so far. Definitely, he literally only needs like three receptions a game, and he would probably get twelve hundred. Um, 1,200 receiving yards throughout the season. Yeah. Like, he's ridiculous. Um, He got two touchdowns, five receptions, 138. Uh, Obviously, Hendon did his thing, 89.9 QBR, three touchdowns, 245. Um, 
And, and, you know, their run game is nothing to just write off. Uh, Jabari Small is a pretty good running back. Jalen Wright, pretty explosive. Uh, he he's They're kind of a one-two punch that works. Uh, Jalen Wright doesn't get a lot of uh, carries, but he should. Um, he is kind of the... When I look at it, I look at it kind of like um, when... I'm trying to think. I think it was last year's Georgia running backs. Um with James Cook is kind of like the explosive back. And then yeah. um, you had, you know, the guys that will just get you the downs. I mean, there is my, me, my favorite uh, one-two combo in college football history for running backs has to be Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. No, you had Thunder with, so, uh, with uh, Nick Chubb. He will run down your throat, and then you have Sonny Michelle. You give it to him on the outside, and he's gone. Yes, but I think um, it was actually the duo before that duo. Which was Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb. Okay, yeah, that's that, that is duo really... was so good. Um, speaking of this Tennessee team, something I haven't seen yet that I'm excited to see this weekend and uh, to see if they're really the real deal is how they play on the road. I mean, besides yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh, which and was, uh, I guess LSU. That that pit I mean, game was really... extremely close. Yeah, Pittsburgh, I mean, they took the OT. Yeah, and it was like Tennessee, like, very narrowly got by. Yeah, like, they almost should have lost that game. Yeah, and same, um, even Florida coming into town, oh, that was a close one. Yeah. Um, I, um, just like, looking at this, I don't like how they look on the road. I mean, they do have I don't that, know. that amazing that LSU. LSU. <laughs> okay, but what I'm saying is they had that amazing win over LSU and Death Valley. But I mean, at that point, I don't know what LSU was doing. But yeah. at the, to that point, let's be honest, LSU didn't really look that good. No, they had already lost to Florida State. They lost to Florida State. They kind of were just like making it through, trying to figure out their identity still. Yeah. And I think losing that game really gave them the kick in the ass. For them to go out and beat Ole Miss the next week, yeah, you know, it was a get right game for Brian Kelly. Yeah, is it really was just like okay, y'all look at what happened. They came to your house and they beat the hell out of you. Yeah, is this 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 is not who we already know, and that's what they LSU needed. So I think that looking up uh, at the end of the end of the year, especially with uh, LSU having a win over Ole Miss, uh, number seven, that's a really good one for them. But my point being is that like I don't know how they're gonna. Do against Georgia at Georgia. Yeah, uh, as much as people want to talk shit about Sanford Stadium, um, I hear it all the time. Uh, everybody just kind of says, you know, that Sanford Stadium. Yeah, you're between the hedges and it's all hyped up, but it's not really that crazy of an atmosphere. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, the atmosphere. Yeah, it's a factor at every stadium. the The scary part about going to Georgia is the fact that you're facing Georgia. Yeah, you're facing Georgia in front of 95,000 Georgia fans. Yeah, and like, you know what? I I wouldn't even put Georgia's atmosphere in like the top four in the SEC. I wouldn't either. But it's scary. It, it is scary to play there only because you know what is on the other side of that field from you. And you know that when you go there and then the, the what's on the other side of the field has... 95,000 people cheering them on, egging them on. To, yes, exactly. To embarrass you. I mean, I have to agree. I don't think they have a, that great of an atmosphere. 
but I will give them this. They do sell out all the seats. Yes. I mean, they are one of the best teams in the nation of constantly selling out the seats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I went to the Ole Miss LSU game, and LSU had, I mean, don't get me wrong, they had give, uh, over 90,000 people there, but the stadium was not full to the brim like it should have been playing yeah. a top team. Georgia can play uh, SES school, and they'll still have 95,000 <laughs> plus. Yeah, and, and I think that's also because uh, Georgia is 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 statewide brand, and those fans love to go to Athens. I do have to agree. They they are they're the team of the state. Yeah. Oh well, and that's <laughs> obvious. There's plenty yeah. of teams that are the team of the state. I mean, yeah, LSU, Georgia, yeah, LSU. Ole Miss, Tennessee. But, but I think with with Georgia's fans especially is. Um, in both of us growing up in Georgia, not being Georgia fans, um, everybody loves Georgia. And everybody yeah. that loves Georgia has been to a couple of games in Athens. So th- those fans go. They they go to the games. It- it's not like it's dominated by the students. Um, obviously, the student section is always packed. But a-, a lot of those people are fans from you know the counties that are a little bit farther from Athens than you would expect for a home yeah. team. Well, I'll say I I think schools with the with a big student section is that's what makes the atmosphere so much different. Yeah, it's definitely by having your students there, having the younger people there. I mean, I'm not gonna say Ole Miss is a top tier um, school when it comes to an atmosphere because we could be better, but they de- we definitely provide. I mean, we have twenty thousand seats dedicated for just the students. And the games that all the students are there and fill out their section, it is so loud because the students are getting so involved into it. I mean, I was, like I said, I was at LSU. Going to LSU was crazy because they had probably 30,000, 30, allotted to their students, and it was full to the brim with them. And yeah. they made it so loud. I mean, and I, admit, I haven't mentioned a game in Athens in a long time, but... Yeah, well, like uh, last uh, last season, I went to uh, Georgia versus Missouri in Athens, and um, it was nowhere close to packed, but it sure as hell was loud. And that actually, that Missouri game last year was kind of a, a bad start for that Georgia team that ended up being the national champions. Um, and that's something but, that, like, uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, so uh, you know, other than that, it was a bad start for Georgia and that Missouri team blows every single year. Um, that stadium is loud and th- those fans are football fans. They're not just Georgia fans. It's people that are there to watch the sport be played. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, no, definitely uh, I, I guess what we're talking about basically is atmosphere can make a difference and yeah. I, I don't remember fully the LSU-Tennessee game, but wasn't it a day game? Yeah, I believe so. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a day game. LSU wasn't all there. It was, you know, and their team wasn't fully there. So they're not, you know, nobody was fully there. They were all just kind of like, eh. But I think that's what you're going to get from this Georgia-Tennessee game is the stadium's going to be full, over over capacity most likely. And... They're going to have to base the team, Georgia, one of the best defenses in the nation. Yeah. I mean, you see what they could do. They're reigning national champions. 
And I think this is good. This is going to be this is Tennessee's biggest test. Alabama was a test for the I, not to say Alabama is not good or anything, but Alabama was a test for them. They had it home. They had everything playing in their favor. Alabama was is not is just not playing like how Alabama should. They had them coming home. Alabama hasn't played well on the road this year. You know everything was looking good for them for playing Alabama. This Georgia game, this is where this is the pinnacle of their season. Yeah, if yeah, they can it's go in a real test. Yeah, if they can, much like tw- I heard this earlier from someone, the parallels between the 2019 LSU team and the 20 and this 2022 Tennessee team are insane. That much like uh, LSU in 2019, where they had to go into um, Alabama and beat Alabama, who at the time I'm pretty sure was number one, and that basically said after they won that game, they're oh they're built by everything clicked to them by that point. And Tennessee just needs everything, just like the 2019 LSU team, to go into Athens and make the statement win. Now, do I think it's going to happen? I'm not really that confident in them. I think they're a great team, but I don't think I don't think they're going to be able to beat Georgia. I think Georgia's, if Kirby Smart prepares them properly, I don't think uh, Georgia's have to really worry too much. Yeah, no, that's a fair statement, but you know we. We constantly think, and especially with both of us, you know, living in the Southeast, uh, we think that the national championship is always going to end up in the SEC. But you can't, you can't discount the Big Twelve. And in Michigan, Michigan is interesting this year. I, I want to say that they're a contender because of that run game. That you know, Blake Corum is insanely good. But this game against Michigan State, it kind of made them look like, uh, like, like a fluke. Yeah, putting up 29 points on a a, a very underachieving uh, Michigan team or Michigan State team. Sorry, um, it's kind of a a bad look for this team, um, and I don't think it really goes back to the the players themselves because I think Blake Corum is uh, obviously really good. Um, I think that McCarthy should be the starter, but they should have had a much better game against this bad of a Michigan State team? Um, I think it's going to be like it is every year. I think I said this at the very beginning. Michigan is going to go through, not play really anybody. They're going to get to Ohio State, get their teeth kicked in by Ohio State, go to the Orange Bowl like they do every year, or go to the Cot- or Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, something like that. Yeah. Because Michigan I, – I, Michigan – Ohio State was good last year, but they weren't that great. They had, you know, some young yeah, guys. Yeah, well, they were a year. complete team. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah. They, they weren't complete. And I think that this year, um, especially with the addition of, um, uh, I'm blanking on it, is it Jim, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator? Um, yes. He has has given them an, a, an entire different dimension. You know, something that Michigan, uh, it was what made them so good last year was the defense. And, yes, Michigan is um, – I th- I want to say like the second best defense in the nation, um, but I I still think that this Ohio State defense is nothing to to scoff at. Um, they've got a, a much improved defense to last year, and I don't think that this Michigan offense sets up well against them. I I just I don't think I think just Michigan is not. It's it's hard to say though because they haven't played anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason people are able to criticize and look at SEC schools so hard is because 
week in, week out, they're playing a top 25 team. So it's like you can say, oh, wow, I mean, they, they don't deserve to be there. Yeah, of course they don't because when they play a really good team, they don't play well at all, you know? Yeah. But yeah. When, when almost – if I kind of wish something we did more in the SEC and more scheduling is they do it in basketball, the Big 12 – the big Big Twelve SEC challenge, or yeah. we would do like yeah. a, we would do a Big Ten SEC challenge, and then every one week, the fourteen SEC team plays fourteen uh, Big Ten teams, and we see, okay, you know, and it just kind of proves, you know, the best, you know, so you have Ohio State versus Bama, Michigan, Georgia, yeah, but and, and but after no, that, I no really know team would ever want to do that. Well, no, that's the point. Is they the don't problem. want to Nick do that. Saban, Nick Saban doesn't want to do that. Ryan Day doesn't want to do that. Harbaugh, Smart, none of them want to put their season on the line in the first three weeks of the year. You know, they might want to do this SEC Big Ten or Big Twelve challenge, uh, or Big Ten, sorry, but um, you know, it, it would end up being like Alabama versus Maryland and Georgia versus Nebraska, and then Ohio State versus Vandy. And it, yeah, it, it that's how it ends up. But, well, now that's now let's look at this. If they expand the playoff system, which I mean, at this point they ha- they should. Ha- I almost think they should have to because yeah, now every yeah. conference is going to have sixteen teams. Agreed. Yeah, with, so, with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the uh, coming in the SEC, and most likely uh, the scenario is going to be that Auburn gets pushed to the East, um, mm-hmm. just to even it out. Uh, I I don't think that the uh, whatever they called it like the pods or whatever the the groups of four That's, I don't think that works. It's so dumb. Um, it's horrible. Uh, I have a feeling they'll just push Auburn over, and yeah, you know it takes a little bit of significance out of the Iron Bowl, but who cares? That game hasn't mattered since like 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it is important that yeah the playoff gets expanded, uh, but. We take a lot. We need to take a lot more account into strength of schedule when they're making these college football playoff rankings. Now that eight teams get in, you know, a lot of teams skate by every year and just kind of sneak into the top ten, and nobody really notices. I mean, like or cares. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, this Michigan team, if you really wanted to talk about strength of schedule, they are nowhere close to the top. I agree, but by having. By the you know CFP, I mean putting number sixteen Illinois. That just all that does is help them. Yeah, well, that's why they do it. That's that's why Alabama's getting. That's why they have LSU at number ten. I mean LSU is a great team, but did we forget that they lost to Florida State week one? I know they've made dramatic. They've made a dramatic shift in getting a lot better. Yes, but they still lost to a Florida State team week one. All right, so I'm I'm looking at um uh let's see I think this is Sports Illustrated, um from the preseason strength of schedule rankings um there is uh one team uh outside of the top 100 in uh strength of schedule it's in the top 10 and it's uh it's Michigan. <laughs> yeah, Michigan comes in at 112, um, and then Georgia coming in at 94, and I think that's just because they predicted the SEC East to not be as competitive as it is. Uh, but when you, if they would have factored in uh, the strength of Tennessee, um, you know the the here and there success of Florida, I, it probably would have been a more tough schedule. Yeah, uh, and then 
Uh, let's see. Clemson coming in at 58. Uh, I too high. I kind of agree, but no, nah, like they're, their I mean, schedule's too, a little easier. Uh, so I wouldn't say too low. Yeah. Yeah. No, they their schedule's a little easier. Way, if Georgia is at 90, it was preseason, what do you say, 92? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere Clemson around that been, area. Been, what is that? I think they have 136 teams in the uh, D1. Or something uh, like it's like 130, I believe. Yeah, Clemson should basically be at 130. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, crazy thing, number four uh, in the strength of schedule is Auburn. I mean, and uh, look, like, you know, that always happens. I mean, look at Arkansas. Arkansas is, I'm pretty sure, was a top yeah, five. Yeah, Ar- Arkansas is number three, Vanderbilt number two, and then uh, n- number one is Navy. Yeah, Navy had a rough. Hey, Navy's looking pretty good, even though they're having a rough they are. Uh, they are. schedule. Big Navy yeah. fan. They should beat Air Force though, and Delaware. But but, that's you know, I think the college football playoff needs to take a little bit more into consideration than who do we want to see in the top twenty-five. It's it's not about that. It's about who deserves to be there, and I I just don't get this first ranking. And I know we just spent plenty of time talking about it, but yeah. It, it, I can't get past it, but uh, let let's try and move on um, to a couple of like the the less significant games, but uh, a couple good upsets from this weekend. You've got number twenty two Kansas State absolutely wiping the floor with number nine Oklahoma State forty eight zero. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but that is just ridiculous for an Oklahoma State team that was ranked within the top 10. They looked really good, had a couple of impressive wins this season, and then they just fall flat on their face. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's not too much I can say that hasn't been said already. It's just, I think, they, same with Big 12. Big 12 is kind of worse. I think the Big 10 is a better conference than the Big 12. Um, Big 12 really... They have some. They have some good teams out there. They have some good players to recruit from some good areas, but like you know, every year it's always just like, besides Texas and Oklahoma, what do they have? And honestly, Texas doesn't really have a lot. And the only thing they have to their names for the this entire ranking has been putting Oklahoma in the playoffs. What three years? And then yeah, all three yeah. times they got in the playoffs, they got blown out. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think the big I, – I, that's why it's rough for me to say the TCU being at seven. It's like – it's always it, – it's, it's rough. See, the thing about uh, a TCU is that um, they've gotten a little bit lucky. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, they faced a lot of backup quarterbacks. Yes. So, you know um, – they go up against uh, Lance Leipold's Kansas team, which is is not the Kansas we know. Um, They're getting but, better slowly. Oh, yeah, and Lance Leipold is most definitely going to have to make some teams say no to him. Yeah. Like, they're going to have to be like, no, that's too much money to ask for because he has just pushed himself into, like, SEC coaching conversations. Oh yeah, season so far, and and yeah, they've fallen off a little bit, but that's that it's primarily due to the injury to the quarterback. Um, but what I will say is that back to Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Um, not only did they lose forty-eight zero, but Kansas State didn't even have their starting quarterback. Adrian Martinez was out this game. Will Howard steps in, 
throws for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. It's crazy. I mean, like I was saying, the uh, the Big 12's not they uh, ever I think the last what they haven't had a national championship since what like 05 Texas or something 01 Texas or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely a, a Texas team that won it last. Um, I can't quite remember what year though. I mean, they've had some good teams. Don't get me wrong; they've had some teams make some plays, but they're. I I think it goes to they just don't really have a good pocket of recruiting. Yeah. Besides the state of Texas. I agree, and and you know the state of Texas is always getting their recruits stolen. Um, yeah, I mean, so, who wants to stay in Texas? Yeah, exactly. Why would you not want to just you know go to Alabama? It's so much more fun in Tuscaloosa. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like it, the problem with the recruiting across the Big Twelve is that it's just a giant coaching carousel. Nobody yep. stays there long enough because it's almost like yes, they're a Power Five school, but it's like the the minor leagues for coaching. It really is. I mean, everybody that's good as a head coach in the Big 12, just gets pulled away somewhere else. Yeah, I, I mean, that's true. I mean, like, at least, like, the Pac-12, you have, you, I mean, you have California to pull from because they have, you know, a billion people. Yeah. So they're bound to have a lot of good football players. So that's where, you know, a lot of the West Coast gets their players from, California, or the Los Angeles area and San Francisco area. So it's like, like the Pac-12, they're all you know they have that, so they have a pocket of recruiting where they can get pretty good players, and you know sometimes uh, Oregon, you know they have they're usually a really good team, and I mean I would take a Pac-12 team over a Big 12 de- team most any day of the week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, especially if I was a coach too. I I, I would mean, only say that that applies on the very top tier Pac-12 teams, and only in the years that they're really performing, because you know yes, Oregon. Oregon is great this year. Uh, Bo Nix is having a, a resurgence. Um, and, yeah, USC looks great because it's just Oklahoma from last year with a couple good recruits. Yep. Um, UCLA is very different uh, from what we saw last year. Obviously, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was pretty good last year. Uh, he's stepped up this year and done some pretty good things. But um, And then, obviously, Utah is like the hardest place to play at. So you definitely can't discount the top tier of the Pac-12. But when it comes to the Big 12, I see competition across the board. Uh, there's not a lot of teams in the Big 12 that just are absolutely horrible. I think they're, like I was saying, they're mostly all even because they can get some good recruits from within their states that want to stay because, you know, they stay so their parents come watch them play the games and all that. But, like, I mean, they're mostly even, but, like, they just can't compete. In my opinion, they just can't compete against an SEC school or – a Big Ten school, or Great. And, and we saw that with with the the you know string of uh, fantastic quarterback play at Oklahoma with uh, Baker, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts, and they they never won anything. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just it's tough to put the Big Twelve up against other conferences because I'll be honest, there's no conference like the Big Twelve. Yeah. And not saying that the Big 12 is like the best, the big bad conference. Uh, it's no. more just that it, no, but like there's no coaching like the Big 12. Like there is not another team or another conference that is anywhere close to as hectic and just like as weird as the Big 12 is. I agree. 
All right, well, uh, let's move to a, a, a truly failing conference in the past couple of years, which is the ACC, which, uh, yeah, Louisville beating number 10 Wake Forest 48-21. And let me tell you, Sam Hartman did not look like the Sam Hartman that played against Florida State. No. This goes back to years ago. I feel, Sam Hartman, a great quarterback when he's on. You know, you got good Sam and bad Sam. Much like in 2014, Ole Miss had good bow and bad bow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's definitely been. I, I think he he has a much better potential going to the NFL than Bo did back in the day. But I mean, when he's on, he's a the best quarterback in the nation. But when he's not on, you know, you're like, eh. yeah. When he's not on, he uh, he tosses three picks against yeah, Louisville. Yeah, he go, he go. Huh, should we put the backup in or? Yeah, and they put the backup in, and he threw a pick himself. So, um, that didn't work. But yeah. um yeah, they just looked their offense looked so like one dimensional. Like they they only had ninety two rushing yards. Um it primarily was only that low because Sam Hartman had negative twenty four. But um outside of that, you know, three hundred and ten passing yards is in this day, uh nothing crazy for college football. Yeah. And then on the other side Louisville, they weren't really that like great. Like, yeah, they had uh, Tion Evans, uh, eleven carries for one hundred and six and a touchdown, but you know the passing game only one hundred ninety nine yards out of that. Uh, it was really their defense. They kind of showed up out of nowhere. Um, obviously, the uh, the pick six or yeah, I think it was a pick six. I think Kytrell Clark scored a pick six. I could be wrong though. I, I can't recall. I watched a lot of football that day. Yeah. I know he scored a defensive touchdown. I can't remember if it was a fumble recovery or pick six. And then uh, you've got Quincy Riley had a touchdown from defense. So, you know, two defensive touchdowns, and it it really, really made Sam Hartman not look very good. And as a guy who I believe he's pretty old, um, he's only a junior, which is crazy. It seems like he's been there for a while. But uh, maybe he just has a recognizable name. Um, he kind of looked like one of those guys that could go later uh, in the draft and still end up having a pretty solid career. Maybe as a backup, maybe he'll get a couple seasons as a starter. But um, definitely a guy that could make it in the NFL, um, mainly after uh, a great 2021. But um, great interceptions have been a problem for sure. And that's you know one thing that is going to turn, um, turn NFL quarter or NFL coaches away is you know they would like a guy who can already read an offense. That's a lot to teach, um, and that's a lot to gamble on. Is you know will he be able to limit the interceptions when he gets to the next level? Because he can't even do it at the college level, and it it's going to put a lot of pressure on those quarterbacks, coaches, and offensive coaches to develop him if he does get drafted. Yeah, I think he definitely does need to stay another year. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. He, he, like, I agree, he has a lot of learning. Um, definitely a lot of learning. Could you see him transferring? I think he's very content where he is. Yeah. Um, from what it looks like, I think he really enjoys being at Wake Forest. He loves the school. I mean, do I think it might benefit his career if he transfers to maybe – school with a better 
with the pot, well, you know, with a better quarterback coach, I mean, maybe, yeah, somewhere that could develop him better. Yeah, I think so, but maybe he wants to go know. to Georgia Tech. Maybe, maybe, with, maybe. Uh, Chris Wanky is his quarterback coach. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'd like to see. Uh, I want to, but to the head coaches, I want to see how all that works out this offseason. I'm very intrigued. Agreed. And um, let's let's move on into uh, our last two games. So we've got Ole Miss, number 15, beating Texas A&M 31-28. And that was a close one. Um, I think it was a close game. Yeah. I, I think it was, it was a close game, but the score makes it seem a lot closer than what it was. Because, I mean, they, that last – it was 31-21, and Ole Miss kind of just let them run out the clock, running down the field to score that last touchdown. Yeah, and, and to quote one of the best college football quotes ever, you guys ran through their ass like a tin horn. Yeah. Sorry. You guys ran through ass like shit through a tin horn. I apologize. Yeah, that's um, there you Yeah, I had to get it right. I can't just misquote <laughs> that one. But yeah, like Jackson Dart, you know, did his thing. 13 for 20, 140, three touchdowns. But Quinshawn Judkins is crazy good as a true freshman. True freshman. Well, and and like, something I think about the Ole Miss team that kind of gets overlooked is uh, well, right now we have a lot of injuries, but when Zach Evans is fully healthy, he is one a top running back in the nation. Yeah, for sure. He just, I mean, he could have, you know, he could just be a little injured, so that's why they've been more conservative with the running game. I mean, we saw the LSU game. They really, Quinton Jokins was the only one who played. And we have three top running backs. I mean, Ulysses Bentley, when he transferred, was a great uh, running back, but he broke his wrist. I think I believe is at the Georgia Tech game, and I I don't know if he's fully healthy or not yet. So what you know? Yeah, no, you guys have that. like a, a when he's healthy, you guys have like a real three headed monster, um, in in your running back room. But you know, also Jackson Dart can run the ball himself. He can, and that's I mean that's something that Lane really likes in a quarterback, as we can tell from the last few years. Yeah. He loves a quarterback who can run the ball. Yeah, definitely. But you know, looking on the other side of the field. You've got um, Connor Wag- Wagman, Wagman. I don't know how to say it, and I don't care. Um, he had a pretty good game, uh, 338, four touchdowns. And, oh, he uh, looked great. Yeah, he looked great. Um, Devin A-Chain, of course, one of the top running backs in the nation, 25 carries, 138 yards. Um, it, it, Their offense, it, as much as Connor had a great game, it looked so boring. Well, I'm going to say something that I I, I don't remember uh, who said it, but I saw it on Twitter, and they made a very good point. Jimbo is running an expired offense. He's oh, running the 100%. offense. Yeah, he's still running the offense that won him the 2013 National Championship. Yeah, he thinks that he still has Jameis Winston and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, he still thinks he has these players that are not, and his current players are not, aren't the same players he yeah, does no. just to his players yeah well and it doesn't help that he can't recruit a quarterback oh yeah no he cannot and then haynes king goes out what last week yeah i believe so and so you know you have this young guy step in and you realize that oh wait um jimbo's been there for what four four years now three years now I believe this is four. Okay, and the only quarterback he's gotten is Haynes King. Yeah, his first year is 2018. So this is year four. 
Yeah. And he just just isn't I I just don't think my thing with Jimbo is I've never been a big Jimbo fan. And yeah, he's obviously a heck of a recruiter. Yeah. I mean, he was able to get a lot of amazing recruits to Florida State. Is that because it's just Florida State and Bobby Bowden built, you know, Florida State to what it is? And I think people, it, I mean, okay, I, I don't want to put it all on that. Well, you I, know, I'm just I'm speculating. Yes, but I will say that Jimbo Fisher was a great recruiter at Florida State, and he still is a great recruiter at Texas A&M. Yeah. But he's not recruiting what he needs. He's recruiting the best things he can get, which is the opposite of what he did at Florida State. He didn't have yeah. the power to out recruit Saban. He didn't have the power to even out recruit against like those Florida teams. But what he did have was a, a great ability to find what he needed and bring that into campus. And it worked out for him. I mean, if, even if you look at like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart now, they still don't just they don't just take in every single five star they get. Yeah. They exactly. get players that they need in their system. That fit their system. That yeah, fit instead, what they do. Jimbo Fisher's like, oh, you know what I should do is get the five best defensive linemen in this recruiting class so that they're going to be good in two years. Yeah. Like, how could you possibly think that way? How could you think that having the best recruiting class and having a top recruiting class the last two years is really going to just turn this program around? It takes more than a bunch of stars on your team to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got – it starts with coaching. Yeah, exactly. And – Something that I see with this, a lot, a lot of Jimbo Fisher, uh, for a while. I mean, for as long as I can remember, not that disciplined. Yeah, I mean, a lot of off-field issues, a lot of off-field issues. I mean, just recently, he had to suspend three players indefinitely because he called him smoking weed in the locker yeah. room. Well, and it doesn't help that. He's the one going into his press conferences crying about everybody and trying to, you know, yell at Nick Saban and, and call this guy out and call that guy out. And it, it just falls back on his players. You don't yeah. even discipline yourself at the podium. Why do you think your players are going to are gonna listen to you or follow the rules? I, I, that's something I've been, I've been talking about that with people. I don't get it. Like, me as a guy, I mean, look, if I was a kid, if I was a kid looking to recruit, you know, I see Texas A&M, you know, oh, I can make a million dollars if I go there, but will I get to play? Will I get to win? Will I get to, you know, better myself? Because, I mean, a lot of people go there kind of just seem like they go there and just stay stagnant. Yeah, you know, I, they, I agree. They get a little bit better from playing the SEC, but, you know, do they get developed? You know, there's a lot of things that go into, yeah, I'm getting paid a million dollars a year, but, you know, after four years, what do I get? Yeah, exactly. And I, I just I don't see this this working out. Uh, I I do see Jimbo probably getting fired in the next couple of years if it doesn't turn around quickly. I um, think I think they'll give him probably two more years because yep. just because of the money. Yep. Exactly. Um, you have him about two more years, and then after that, they're gonna say, "All right, you're done." I think I, but I think that's the issue. Not just Texas A&M, but with every Texas school. Yeah. It, they, they just get all these players because they're, you know, they're in Texas. You know, they, they're just staying home. Yeah. Yeah, they have all these great players, but what do I do with them? 
And then exactly. they have the worst part about it all is Texas schools are run by the uh, boosters. Yep. They sure. the coaches don't get to coach. It's all whatever the boosters want to do. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, Kyle Schwarber two run home run makes it a six zero ball game. Um, yeah, I totally agree. The the Texas schools right now it, it just doesn't look good other than TCU, which is surprising. But you know, I, I don't know if Sark is the answer. I, I think it's too early to say. Um, he's got the guys coming in. You know, he's got Quinn, and you know Quinn missed a couple weeks, but I think Quinn Ewers is a great quarterback. Um, he just needs to grow. Yeah, he needs to grow a as a player. He's just uh, he's definitely got to mature. Yeah, and I sure. think that's something in modern football. I don't like to say modern football, but I mean it's probably been an issue for a long time. These big time recruits, all they just what they expect to play their first year because they say, "Oh, I'm a five star athlete. I should play my first year." And if they don't play exactly. their first year, they transfer. Look at Quinn Air, Quinn Ewers. Yeah, yeah, and like he knew exactly what was going to happen if he went to Ohio State. He knew they had another amazing quarterback there too that was probably going to start, and yeah, he still exactly. went there. Didn't get playing time, so he said, "Oh, I'm leaving." Yeah, Dude, I, I well, he also reclassified just so he could make nil money, and so I think it almost caught Ohio State by surprise, and they weren't ready to give him the shot. They wanted Bryce Young to, or sorry, uh, CJ Stroud to play. Yeah, and I mean, it. Uh, I mean, I don't like the idea of you know you go there one year, you don't play, you leave. Yeah, no, that but, bothers I mean, me. Um, I, I like. like- Go it's, ahead. I'm. I don't know. I'm very. I, I like it, but at the same time, I don't like it. I mean, if you make the commitment to go somewhere, at least try it out. Give it more than one year. But yep. if you, I'm, there's also time. I mean, I get it. I've been places where I don't like it at all, and I'm like, I just this is not my thing. I need to leave, you know. But that's why you go. That's why you can't just you know immediately commit somewhere. You got to go check it out, feel it out, see if that's where you really want to be, where you fit in. Yeah, and exactly. Like he signed as a junior in high school and then decided to reclassify just to go make some money. And, and I see that, you know, that is a problem that uh, we see with NIL. I, I think that um, I, I love NIL. I think players should definitely be getting money in college football. They work their <laughs> fucking asses off. But the thing that is a problem is when guys start reclassifying up just so that they can make money. And I think that uh, it's going to put. It's going to ruin a couple careers. You know, maybe they'll get that million dollars, but they're going to get somewhere. And then they're going to realize, wait, this is not where I wanted to be, or I'm not ready. And then they get thrown into the the flames and they're not ready to do anything. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of uh, paying, uh, being able to play. I agree. I think that's a good thing. They literally work a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, they deserve every penny they get. With that being said, I agree with you. I don't agree with the reclassifying either. I think that's that's just, I don't know. I, it's, it's all, in a, like, I like the idea of all this, but at the same time, I look at the counter-argument, I'm like, oh, that is a really good point. All right, I'm ready when you are. Ready? So now we're going to be getting into these NFL games from this past weekend. And um, there's a couple that I definitely want to talk about. Um, but uh, we'll start off with Broncos-Jags. Um, the Broncos got by by the skin of their teeth in that London game. Um, they look bad. I don't care that they won. The Broncos are bad. 
Yeah. Like, um, I, I mean, that that's the best way to put it. They're, they're just not good. Um, yeah. I don't know. I had to watch more of their game and get a little more in-depth. But I don't know exactly what their issue is. I used to think it was the quarterback. And now they have a, I mean, a really good quarterback, has a Super Bowl ring, been to a Super Bowl, and yet still not, they're not, just don't look good. Yeah, I don't and, know what it I is. I think that, that comes down to Nathaniel Hackett being a first-year head coach. And um, I just, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. But um, that's enough about that game. It was it was hard to watch. Uh, we'll go to a game that was super fun to watch, which was uh, our Falcons beating the Panthers 37-34 in overtime. Um, Dude, I thought we blew well, it when we gave up that freaking touchdown at the end of the yeah, game. I know. Yeah, DJ Moore um, screwed his entire team over by taking his helmet yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, trust me, man. I know that what that feeling's like. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the Falcons' offense is it, it's like sneaky good. Like nobody would look at this offense and be like, "Oh, a Marcus Mariota led Atlanta Falcons team that um this just happened a few hours ago, but that just got rid of Calvin Ridley and hasn't had him all season." Um. How yeah, the missing hell did their they do this? one receiver, wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Drake London's been a great uh, replacement uh, in his rookie year, and you know, with Cordero Patterson out, with a, a few other guys hurt, especially on the defensive side, um, they they've been playing very well in their first place in I, the NFC South. I you know I I agree. I am very pleasantly surprised with the Falcons. Um, much better than what we were expecting. Um, yeah. I honestly thought this was a tank year. You know, we're going to tank yep. down, get pick up Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, you know, one of them. But, um, you know, we're, you know, we still might, we still might get one of those later guys because, you know, Mariota's not the answer. Ritter is not the answer. No, um, I don't like, I still say last year we should have picked up Matt Corral because I think he would have fit the Atlanta offense the best, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, he he is used to a little bit of a fast-paced offense and one where he's allowed to run when he needs to. And um, I, I guess him and Mariota are similar in that way, where they, they run when they need to. But it seems like Mariota almost wants to run more than a lot of other mobile quarterbacks. And it kind of ends up being his downfall, you know, when he's just running circles around the pocket and then just throws a bad interception. I agree. I mean, he that's kind of what he did in Oregon, though. Which if you look back at it, that's what you were getting when they drafted him. Yeah, I mean he's a good quarterback though, but I agree. I think he definitely wants to run a little, a little more than what he should. Yeah, I am happy yeah. to see that he does. Ha- he is back to his starting spot, and he's looking pretty good. I, yeah. I I've always kind of liked him. Yeah, well, so as a Florida State fan, I had to hate him because oh, yeah. Jameis Winston was better than him, and I will stand on that until the day I, I die. But um, and they beat us in. The uh, first ever college football playoff. Yeah, that's, that's not t- that was a rough. I, I was from Florida State that year, and they really embarrassed me. One. Yeah, but um, we'll get past that because PJ Walker, uh, former XFL player, had a hell of a game. Uh, the completions, oh, yeah. the completion percentage wasn't quite there. Uh, Nineteen for thirty-six. It's not great, but three hundred and seventeen passing yards with a touchdown and an interception. That's great. Only got sacked once, which is impressive. And then Donta Foreman on the ground, you know, filling the role of Christian McCaffrey, who we'll talk about later. Um, 26 carries, 118 for three touchdowns. 
That's a great day for sure. Uh, for a uh, guy who came out of uh, Texas just a couple of years ago, hasn't really done anything since he got into the league. But yeah. um, yeah, that's a huge performance for him. Something I'd like to touch on that you, you mentioned is uh, the XFL. I, I kind of like the idea of another football league. Um, I really hope the USFL, XFL catch on because yeah. I like, I like the idea of having, cause I mean, not, I mean, I mean, look at the uh, MLB. They have the farm system. They have the minor leagues. The N- NBA also has the G League, and they have there are other places you can go with football. You know, you don't make the NFL. There's nothing. Yeah, so but I, like- I, I think there's a there's a difference between the the G League and the minor leagues um, compared to the NFL, and it's that there there's affiliations first of all, and the the G League and minor league aren't really televised, and that's that's where and they run on the same season schedule. Whereas with the with the NFL and the XFL or any of the other secondary football leagues, the secondary football league can't run at the same time. No. And so you have guys that their season is going to start in March or April. And these NFL guys, uh, or, or at least these NFL rosters, they're looking for guys that are in shape right now to put on their teams but these guys aren't in shape because they don't start until three months after the season's over for the NFL. And so uh, I, I don't think it really works as well as a developmental league. Uh, it, it definitely has brought in a couple guys uh, onto practice squads and, and guys like PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke. But um, I, I don't see it ever becoming like the second league or like a developmental league. I just I see it yeah. as an, a, another cash grab for some guy that's going to end up losing all of his money. I don't think it's more. I don't really think it's a. Uh, I don't think it's having to be in competition with the NFL. I don't also think they're they're ever going to have a minor league NFL. I don't. I don't like that idea of having a minor league NFL. I think that's dumb for the yeah. NFL because football is so physical and there are so many players that come out. I do like the idea of having a spring league, just you know, like a spring outdoor league instead of like an arena league. You know, because arena football. Not saying they get great coverage and all that, but. I think having a spring league outdoors, especially in like smaller cities like Birmingham, Memphis, St. Louis, you know, these smaller cities that are close to being big enough to get an NFL team, but aren't quite big enough. <laughs> yeah, like St. Louis could definitely have one again. Um, that's all up to the ownership. And I mean, you know, they definitely have the fan base for it. I mean, do. I don't remember, know if you recall, but in 2019, the. Um, <laughs> The uh, AAF, it was the fir- they were the first ones to do it since the USFL in, what, the 90s to have a spring league, it's to try the spring league. Yeah. And they, um, they went to Memphis, for example. In Memphis, it caught on really good there. I mean, yeah. my sister, she was living there at the time. The entire city of Memphis, as soon as, you know, it was like the, they were halfway through the season and these games were starting to get, you know, thousands of people at them and people were really buying into having a professional football team again and they really like that and then you know it's gone again and i like the idea of having professional sports especially at those cities where they're quite almost there to having a big team but they're not yeah yeah i agree and um we're gonna move on to the yeah. cowboys and bears um 49 29 cowboys dominant performance uh from tony pollard with zeke out um I think the real conversation coming out of this game is, uh, first of all, why did Justin Fields jump over Micah Parsons after that interception? Um, <laughs> and 
should Tony Pollard be getting the starting snaps over Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, I've actually, this is, I mean, I think this has been a question for a few years now. I think Zeke's had a few good years at his beginning, but he's kind of just become average. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's still a great, he's still a good running back. He's still like upper running back, but I mean, this is not the first time a backup running back's come in and gotten the start of him from being injured or not playing or whatever, and they've had a hell of a game, and yeah, they still it, give it to Zeke. Does, is he getting it because he's the franchise running back? Or I agree that you know you're you're paying him the money, you might as well use him. Yeah, and he definitely fills the role of the 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 short down running back, but Tony Pollard has that big play explosiveness that has created so many good running backs in the NFL, like a Christian McCaffrey, guys like those, like the guys that, you know, yeah, they'll get you a a couple five-yarders here and there, but they're not always dependable on those short downs. But they're the guys that create big plays. And and, and in the NFL, momentum is huge. And him, he scored that touchdown in the first, and then I think he had another one in the second, and then one in the third or fourth. And, like, he was running all over this Bears defense, which just got even worse because before the game, they had already dealt Robert Quinn. Um, I think he might have gone on Monday. I can't remember. But, um, and then now they've traded away Roquan Smith. So this Bears defense is getting worse. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very obvious they are trying to rebuild. Yeah, but then they also trade for Chase Claypool. It's super confusing to me what the Bears are doing right now, but um, we know it's not working. Yeah. I mean, when was... I, I, I honestly don't think in our lifetime the Bears have been worth anything. Um. Well, they went to a Super Bowl with... Uh, who was it? Was it Rex Grossman? Uh, back in the 2000s, 2010, like early 2010s maybe. Uh, they obviously didn't win it, but um, they've made it to a Super Bowl. They've made a couple of playoff games. Like They had the game with Mitch, um, but yeah, th- they haven't really been great for a while, and obviously uh, they can't beat the Packers. So No. All right, so we'll move on to uh, one of their division rivals, um, the Lions game. So the Dolphins beat the Lions 31-27, and, and this game was just um, – it was a masterclass, honestly, uh, for for Tua's chemistry with his wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, didn't they? Didn't both uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have an insane? Yeah, uh, I think they. I think they both insane. surpassed like one one fifteen receiving. It was it was crazy, and, and I think that um, that definitely goes to show that uh, Waddle and Tua's chemistry is huge, and that Tyreek Hill is still most definitely one of the best wide receivers in the league. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and then the Lions, like, they started off so bad. Um, but they, they started getting back into it, and, you know, it's the first week with Swift back. It's the first week with Amon Ra uh, fully back um, after, you know, his first appearance comes back, gets taken out uh, for that concussion protocol. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Lions have too much to cry about. Um, they're going to have a high pick in the draft, and th- there is some positives to what they've got right now. Um, I-, I don't know if Dan Campbell's really the uh, the the end game coach for this this franchise during this rebuild, but um, I-, I think he he definitely brings like a morale to this team that um, keeps them in a lot of close games. 
I, I agree. I think I think he really does. Yeah, he really he can obviously relate to the players. Yeah, I mean, especially for the team like the Lions, what more than they need than just a coach the players like. Yeah, exactly. Especially right now and trying to get out of this horrible spot they're in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and so, well, actually, move to another uh, division opponent, uh, the Vikings beating the Cardinals 34-26. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely because Kyler Murray was playing Call of Duty. Yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> got to be. Modern Warfare 2 released on Friday. I know Kyler Murray was in his bedroom, probably playing with some guys in FaZe Clan, um, wasn't reading, wasn't watching film. No, no, I'm kidding. But, um <laughs> the Vikings are good, and nobody can tell me they're not, because their only loss is to the only undefeated team in the league. So, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to be Kirk Cousins. He's good for like two touchdowns and an interception. Um, and you you've got Justin Jefferson. You've got uh, now they've traded for T.J. Hawkinson, uh, which is crazy. Uh, that got completed today at the deadline. And then uh, you've got a solid defense, which which they've had for a while. The Vikings have had a good defense for the last few years. And uh, this Cardinals team is good, um, but it, it doesn't seem to work all that well together. Like, you, you, they just got Hopkins back, and Hopkins has been playing well. Kyler's not playing horrible. Um, he's not nearly as bad as he was around, like, the end of last year. But um, there's definitely some improvements that need to be made for the Cardinals. Primarily with the defense, like uh, that loss to the Panthers um, was just bad. So yeah, this Cardinals team needs to make some changes if they have any hope of contending in the uh, NFC West. Yeah, I definitely think they they have a lot of room for improvements. Um, I don't know. I just I don't I don't think I don't really see the Cardinals being a super you know like a like a super team you know. Yeah. I think they might have a few years of success, but I don't think they're ever going to be anything like the Pats or Green Bay was for a little bit. But yeah, it, I, don't know. I, I do have a question for you. Do you think that if the Cardinals finish uh, below 500, um, do you think Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat? I think they definitely, if they finish below 500, he's definitely in the hot seat. All right. Do you think that if they only win six games so they go they would go six and 11 you think he's fired mm, that's tough I, had to go, I mean this would, i'd have to go a little more in depth and look at all of his records but the last few years but that's i'll do that real quick yeah like last year uh, a horrible horrible performance in the first round of the playoffs against the rams they got completely exposed, especially Kyler Murray. And then, um, you know, obviously you had D-Hop out for the first six weeks uh, because of that PED suspension. But I, I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury hasn't done anything that has, has wowed me. You know, he he came from Texas Tech. And, well, he didn't really do anything, by the way. Yeah, like, yeah, he coached a couple guys that made the league, but, like, I don't understand what the Cardinals saw in Cliff Kingsbury. And um, I don't see what they're still seeing now. Obviously, his first couple of years, he was pretty hot. Uh, he was like the, the new kid on the block. But 
now it just kind of seems like he's uh, reverted to the mean, and he's got a Cardinals team that's no better than anybody else. I mean, I don't want to hate on uh, the quarterback, uh, Kyler, but I I don't think he's the answer for them down there. Uh, I, I think I he needs a, I think he needs a coach that that is willing to to just really lay it into him. I I feel like Cliff Kingsbury might not be like treating him how he needs to be treated. He needs a coach that is going to tell him straight up how everything needs to go and he needs to get it. If he doesn't get it, he can get out. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so we're going to move on um unless you were still looking for that Cliff Kingsbury information. No, I'm looking at it now. I mean, his first year in the league, 5 and 10 with a tie. Second year went 8 and 8. Then last year, you know, I mean, had the upper twent uh, upper trend, 5 and 10 to 8 and 8 and then 11 and 6, a uh, second in the NFC West, makes the playoffs. Like you said, gets embarrassed by the Rams. Yeah. This year goes three and five. You know what? I don't know. I think I, I'd say give him one more year. And then if he gives another year of me, pure mediocre, he's being pure mediocre, then it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. So we'll move on to uh, Saints Raiders. Uh, this game sucked. Um, oh, <laughs> the yeah. Saints just absolutely ruined the Raiders at 24 0. And let's be honest, a shutout in the NFL is embarrassing. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's not even much to talk about, you know. Um, Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton, <laughs> and the rest of that team is exactly who they are. Kamara had a, a little bit better of a game. Hopefully, you know he'll kind of be back to his normal form. But yeah, that that game was brutal. Oh yeah, it's definitely it was definitely a rough one. To watch. I actually had a friend, her dad, giant Raiders fan, went down to the game. I felt so bad for him. God, yeah. All right, um, this next game we're going to talk about is going to be Patriots beating the Jets 22-17. And obviously, um, this Jets team, they just lost Brees Hall last week, and um, that's obviously going to change the offense. Um, But you're facing a a Patriots defense that just gave up a ton of points to the Chicago Bears. And yeah, Zach Wilson hasn't been phenomenal, but... The offenses looked good, and, and James Robinson is a solid replacement for Brees Hall, but, yeah, they really fell short in this one. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Something I want to talk about with that game, or mainly with the Patriots, is uh, their, their quarterback battle there. Yeah. Oh. Me, they kind of, they're kind of the same person. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're the exact same guy, and everybody just likes Zappy's name more. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> The Mac, the one who went to Alabama, or do you want the one who went to Western Kentucky? You know, yeah. Who's more fun to say in the stands? Oh, go Zappy or go Jones? You know. I think that the 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 first mistake um that they've made with this quarterback battle is um that like I think last, like on Wednesday they had already named the starter. Hmm. Which like like naming Mac Jones the starter that quickly is insane because they played the was it monday night that they played the bears or was that uh was that sunday night i mean it was still it was a pretty quick turnaround either way yeah yeah either way it's a quick turnaround to just immediately be like oh yeah we're starting the guy that we pulled after three drives last week and then you know he came out and he 
was Mac Jones. Um, he didn't do anything exceptional. He didn't do anything terrible, uh, and they won. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Mac Jones was the perfect Alabama quarterback. Just going back to yeah. like Aaron, he could win you a football game. He can get in the game and manage it perfectly. Yeah, but let me tell you, watching Bailey Zappi uh, last season at Western Kentucky was awesome because he had like he had so much fun. He was so much better than his opponents. It was ridiculous. Like that, uh, I can't remember who they played in that bowl game last year, but like it was just electric watching him play. Yeah, he was out there having fun. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, we'll move on to this uh, Eagles Steelers game. Um, obviously, the Eagles are just going to continue to beat up on the Steelers for most likely years to come because this Eagles team is built insanely well, and that's why they're undefeated. Yeah, this this Eagles team is. An insane team. Uh, that's <laughs> I don't really don't know exactly how to. I mean, the best move they made was getting AJ Brown this off season. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's something. Uh, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. I don't know why the Titans trading away uh, AJ Brown was the dumbest move they could have made. And I know they thought they had another dude in the draft. They picked up a dude in the draft that was going to be the same thing, but no. You know, you just got a that receiver they picked up in the draft. You just had an okay season. I mean, he had a pretty good season in Arkansas, but nothing special. And they yeah. thought he was going to replace AJ. And AJ, I mean, in you could tell in college when he was on the five and seven Ole Miss football team for two years that you know, it was him, DK Metcalf, and they were just better and different, just so much better than everybody else. You could tell they were going to have a great career. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and and Jalen Hurts looks amazing. Um, yeah. I'm he, really happy he's doing good. Yeah, I, I am too. And and the, it's still funny to me that he just completely claims himself as like a split uh, college. It's like Alabama and Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, both schools did a lot for him. Yeah, and he did a lot for both schools. Yeah, I mean. A Heisman finalist at both. I brought, brought him back in the national champion, uh, to a ch- national championship at Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, obviously he didn't finish that one, but um, yeah, we all know that story. Oh, yeah, that game could have been a lot different. But I mean, I always thought he was a good quarterback, and yeah, uh, I think no, I agree. After last season, everybody was like, "Oh, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy here." And I was like, "Why was that? I don't. I never got what I was saying on Jalen Hurts. I was like, he just needs some time to get used to the league. The league." Yeah. No. Exactly. Like. And everybody made their jokes about him being a running back and all that. But let's be honest, he's a, a far better passer than Lamar Jackson. Way better passer than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and obviously Lamar Jackson, uh, probably the best runner since Vic uh, at the quarterback position. But, um, yeah, you can't discredit Jalen Hurts' ability um, in the passing game at all. No. I mean, he's definitely what... Philadelphia needed. Yeah. And then, you know, on the other side, the Steelers, they have pieces on this team to look forward to, but there's not enough of them. Yeah. Like, uh, Kenny Pickett hasn't been horrible. Uh, I still think they reached on him in the draft, but they should have that high, but no, not at all. But uh, he hasn't been horrible. George Pickens looks like. Uh, exactly what everybody thought he was going to be in those first couple of years at Georgia before um, the the injuries and, and sitting out the year. 
But um, uh, yeah, I think, the, and then obviously TJ Watt, uh, he he should be coming back in the next couple of weeks, I believe. But yeah, there's there's things to look forward to with this Steelers roster, and the the one thing they're not going to look forward to is their record every year. I think for at least this year and probably next year as well, they have a very young team that just needs to get the experience. Yeah. And, and I think they're coached very well. I, I, I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Um, but the Steelers have a problem with just not firing head coaches. And I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, if they keep slipping, I'd say give them three years. Um, if they keep playing bad, I, I feel like they just need a change. Yeah. I mean, he's been there for as long as I can remember. Well, shoot. They've only had... Uh, I was listening to something today. Uh, they've only had three order, or three coaches um, since we landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if that tells you anything about the Steelers organization not firing their coaches... Um, the Bears have had like six coaches since like 2005. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, probably just kind of run through these games real quick because they suck. Uh, so the Titans beat the Texans 17-10. Um, Derrick Henry is in full effect. This is his time. Yeah, like I was saying earlier with them training with A.J. Brown, he is now the offense. Yeah, yeah, he's the the sole part of that offense. And uh, this was Malik Willis's first career start. Didn't play bad. Did not play great. Definitely didn't see anything that I was impressed or overly impressed with. But, um, you know, it's his first game. I can't blame him whatsoever. He's, he's definitely a project. Uh, I think he was great in college, but he's got work to do. Yeah, he, he definitely has uh, some work to get done, get taken care of. But I think he has uh, he has pretty good potential. I mean, obviously the new uh, NFL style quarterback is they they like a runner. Yeah, for and sure. And we just talked about a couple with Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, now uh, uh, him at with the Titans and yeah, Josh uh, Allen up in Buffalo. Yeah, Josh Still Allen. Into anything. Tua's out here running head first into everybody. <laughs> yeah, he might need to watch his head. Yeah, well, he kept saying he was gonna, and then he's like diving into safeties. Hey, um, you know, <laughs> like, hey. Yeah, yeah, some people, some people do. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on to the next one. This is gonna be Commanders beating the the Indianapolis Colts seventeen sixteen, and uh, yeah, of course the Colts lost because they benched Matt Ryan for the season and started their third string quarterback. Um, and Sam Ellinger just is not good. Uh, I, you can't convince me he's good. Um, he wasn't that good at Texas. And he's not good now. In my opinion, he didn't really do anything at Texas. Yeah. But I, I'm no expert, but I, I don't think he, he was never really good pickup. That's just the fact that's about all I got to say for that. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. And then for the commanders, um, there, there is some some bright spots on this Commanders team that a lot of people aren't seeing. Uh, obviously, Brian Robinson, his story is ridiculous for this season. Um, rookie gets shot in the leg, comes back in week five. He's been playing pretty well. I, I, I feel like he should definitely be getting 
the majority of the carries over Antonio Gibson, who's kind of flopped this year. And then you've also got, obviously, Terry McLaurin, uh, a wide receiver, um, bringing Taylor Heineke into the starting lineup uh, while Wentz is hurt. Um, I, I have a feeling that's going to be permanent. Um, yeah, Heineke yeah. And, and Terry McLaurin have such good chemistry. It, it's undeniable. Um, yeah, Wentz really, what, that year – the year before he brought uh, the Philly went to the Super Bowl, he was good, you know, and then just kind of nothing ever since then. Yeah, and it's weird because he got hurt, and you'd think that that would make him a little bit more cautious, but instead it made him ten times worse at football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a weird situation, but uh, we'll move on to um. 49ers at Ram or 49ers beating the Rams 31-14 and um this 49ers team looks good. Yeah, definitely. Um that move for uh, uh Christian McCaffrey, I, I like that. Yeah, and, and McCaffrey uh recording a passing, rushing and receiving touchdown uh, on Sunday. That's wild. I mean, I'm I'm really happy he he finally got out of Carolina. So yeah, I feel he like needed to. I feel like a lot of his injuries were because he was with Carolina. Yeah, it, it it puts a lot of strain on a running back when uh, you have zero help at any other position. Yeah, when you're the whole workhorse and you know your offensive line really isn't even that good. So uh, yeah. I'm really happy for him that he can move on into a better to a better program and hopefully uh, they uh, they might you know well they might make some noise you know let's see. Yeah, no, I agree and. And then you've got the Rams, who uh, are, I guess you would call it the Super Bowl slump, but it, it wasn't really expected. Um, they just look out of sorts. Yeah, they—I don't know what it is there, but something, something ain't right. Yeah, and and I definitely don't want to put it on McVay. I still think McVay is one of, if not the best coach in the NFL right now. Uh, it it just looks like Matthew Stafford uh, age is finally catching up to him, and then as well as that, uh, Cam Akers hasn't really done much. Uh, Daryl Henderson's not doing much, and you know they can use Cooper Cup as much as they want, but you're only well, scoring they, fourteen points. Yeah, they they don't have. I mean, the thing is, I think last year they they uh, after Robert Woods, right? He was the one who went down for them, and yeah, they they replaced him with Odell Beckham, and I mean that was. That was the move that moved them to the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. And this year, they just kind of only have uh, Cooper Cup. And, yeah, and, and like they have Allen Robinson, and you know he's been there for a couple moments, but it hasn't really done as much as they need him to. Yeah. Um, definitely, they needed another like pretty elite wide receiver. Like, yeah. uh, I, I think I would, if I was him, I would have kept uh, Woods or uh, Odell. I, I don't think I would have. Yeah, well, the no. thing with Odell was that he got injured in the Super Bowl, and so you knew he wasn't going to be back and ready until about week 10 of this season. So you didn't want to throw any money back at him until you knew he was ready to come back. Well, yeah, I, I did forget he got injured. Um, So we'll move on to uh, Seahawks beating the Giants that it's just a tough one because I, I really do like the Giants and it's weird that they're good uh, it and, good. <laughs> and and I think it, a lot of it has to do with Brian Dable uh, he's a great head coach especially in his first year uh, but the Seahawks are just as surprising I, I feel like this 
this matchup right here, Seahawks Giants, was the matchup of my two favorites for coach of the year. Yeah. I think because... oh, I gotta I, I just I just find it very entertaining that uh you know Russell Wilson finally got out of um Seattle just to go do the same thing in Denver. Yeah, oh, and then Geno Smith fills in, and and Pete Carroll looks real excited. Yeah, so now I'm trying to. It, it makes me think: was the what? Who was the issue in uh, Seattle? Was it Pete Carroll? Was it Russell Wilson? And if you look at it right now, I definitely think you can see who the issue was with. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of the Brady Belichick. Yeah, but um. Yeah, Geno Smith uh, came out of nowhere. Looks good. DK Metcalf always looks good. I mean, it's freaking DK. Yeah, uh, Tyler Lockett is kind of getting back into form, and they've actually got a pretty nice setup on defense. Uh, I-, I can't the name slipping away from me, but they've got a rookie out there on defense who's been playing really well, and then also uh, on the offensive side, Kenneth Walker is a fantastic running back. Oh yeah. He's having, he's doing great. Yeah. And so um, there's not too much else to say. Uh, obviously, the Giants traded away Kadarius Toney, uh, who hasn't really been a big factor in this offense, but um, he's always an option. Um, um, didn't, they, they, didn't they draft him over Elijah Moore and the. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. That, that was a move I, I was like, really? Yeah. I think Kadarius Toney's had like one good game in two years. Yeah. I think I think if the Giants would have picked up Elijah Moore, their offense would be in a much better. I mean, look at what he did for the uh, Jets when he was there. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all right, we're gonna move on to uh, that Sunday night game: Bills Packers. Uh, Bills twenty-seven, Packers seventeen. Um, the Bills offense looked okay. It didn't look bad because the Bills offense can't look bad. Yeah. But it didn't look as like energetic as normal. Uh, a lot of like throws over the middle. Nothing like crazy deep balls of Gabe Davis like we were seeing in these past couple weeks. But um, overall, I think they looked good. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I've said before, not every team can always be, you know, at 100%. Sometimes you're going to have those off games where you just, everybody's just a little out of it, a little tired, a little exhausted, you know, just did have a good week at practice, you know, something just sometimes you're going to have those games. Yeah. And, and they're lucky that that game came against this Packers team because uh, any other year, the Packers would have stomped a team that felt tired, but you've got zero help at receiver. The, I think the leading receiver last or uh, on uh, Monday night was, or Sunday night, sorry, was um, Romeo Dubs, I believe. Um, and he's just like, out of nowhere has been okay, but they need to incorporate that run game more. And they were trying to, but it's crazy. What they do is they have consecutive first downs from Dylan and Jones. And then they're just like, you know what we need to do is pass the ball. Yeah. It's like, they say, Oh, we have Aaron Rodgers, So we need, you know, pass the ball. Yeah. No, what you need to do is make people think, Oh, they have Aaron Rodgers, They're going to pass at some point. And then just keep running it down their throat. Exactly. I mean, it goes to the 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 age old uh, comment: if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's plenty of broken things with this Packers team. Well, yeah. uh, 
in the receiving core, but yeah, that run game is always is always good, especially with those two extremely skillful backs. Um, and then you know this Packers defense got super overhyped at the beginning of the year, and they still just haven't proven anything. Um, obviously, in the second half, they lost Devondre Campbell, um, and they had a cu- a couple tough flags in the second half. But yeah, overall, you know the Bills didn't play great, but the Packers. Uh, I don't know what's going on up there. Yeah, something's going on, and they they got to figure it out soon because we all know Aaron Rodgers doesn't really care anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, of course he's he's too busy. He has ayahuasca to, to take. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to the last game of the week, which was Monday night. Uh, Browns beating the Bengals thirty-two thirteen, and um, that that's just crazy that I just said that. that. I was not – that is not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I thought I the Bengals were going to go in there and, you know, beat them. Beat them yeah, pretty good. And I actually saw a, an interesting stat before the game on uh, Monday, and it was that um, I think the underdog in the last 10 years on Halloween uh, is like 10-4-1. and one. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good statistic. I, I would, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be opposed to being the underdog. Yeah, I know. Um but like it, it's weird because the Bengals like it didn't even look that bad, especially in the second half. They didn't look like they were unproductive. They just they didn't quite get far enough down the field to do anything. And uh, I think that kind of sits on Joe Mixon's shoulders a little bit. He didn't have any of his normal, you know, like he he always does this thing where he gets a couple short yardage plays and then just like three straight 10 yard rushes for first downs and it, and it gives that offense momentum. And then, you know, you see a deep ball to Jamar chase or something, but yeah, I I think that was missing. And then as well, you know, the Browns, even with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, they looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, definitely something the, um, Oh damn. The Bengals need to work on is that I'm pretty sure I saw they gave up what seven sacks or something like that. Yeah, I, I believe so, and and that's just been the problem with them the last two years. I mean, that's why they couldn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if, sure. they, if they would have if they would have had better protection, there Joe Burrow definitely would have won on that Super Bowl. I mean, his first year being their starting quarterback, they let him get his entire knee destroyed. Yeah. Then his second year, them giving up. I mean, that offensive line is just. <laughs> They're letting people through, like, uh, I'm not going to use anything quite offensive, but um, they're just letting people through left and right. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, that's the that's the entire NFL slate from this past week, and uh, uh, there is one news thing that I want to talk about. Um, this one came out on Friday morning after, uh, after the Ravens-Buccaneers game, which um, I didn't put in here, but, um, yeah, the Buccaneers look like shit. The Ravens didn't look that good either. Um, but, uh, yeah, Brady and Giselle are divorced officially. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's crazy. I can't believe he's really choosing another year in football when he's already, what, over 40 instead of with his family. Yeah. Like, A he's a 45 year old man. Yes. Who honestly is not having a good season. No, he's not. Okay, I I understand him coming back because he he played pretty well last year. But you've got 
zero reason at all to come back. And, and maybe he, you know, is is being selfish and being like, well, I don't want to go out unless I win the Super Bowl that year. Well, guess what? You should have retired before you went to Tampa. Then, I, I that year he. I thought he. I thought he should have retired after. I think it was his fifth ring. Yeah. Uh, I thought he should have retired after that one because that you know he made his point and the best quarterback, uh, most winningest quarterback of all time. Don't know if it's the best because I mean he's had some. He's had had some great teams with him, but I mean he's definitely a top top five quarterback of all time. He's the greatest he's quarterback, quarterback of all time. No, stop saying that. He's the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time. We're not saying he's the most skilled or he's the That's most true. flashy or the best passer. No, he is the greatest quarterback of all time because he's a, a leader. He he's a quarterback in the definition of the term, not yeah. in what in what he's able to do on the field. Yeah, cuz I mean, I guess to be fair, yeah, if we're going for the most skilled, I mean, there are so many other uh, quarterbacks to oh, bring yeah. up. Totally. But um yeah, I can't believe he decided I mean, he's 45. I mean, you he's old. Yeah. He should have retired after the Super Bowl, just like Peyton Manning did. Retired, enjoyed life. Yeah, agreed. And, um, yeah, last thing I want to say is, uh, Giselle, if you're hearing this, um, hit me up. Definitely. You're a great <laughs> guy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to conclude this one. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about, Brock? No, I think that, uh, that basically uh, sums up everything we want to talk about. All right. Well, then uh, we'll see you all next time. All right. Yeah.